Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. And joining us today, JP, it's the one, it's the only, it's WH Park. Hey, WH. Uh, hello. Hello. Hello, Ben. Hello, JP. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a proper greetings from you, uh, boys. You know, thought I'd get my uh, Matty Edwardisms out, out of the way right, right off the start. We were just saying in the pre-show, I'll let you know, Matty's, uh, how he must come across to, you know, someone like yourself. You ever experienced anybody like a Matty? Is he, um, you know, his opinions, his way, <laughs> just in general? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure in the time I've been on Earth, I've, I've experienced uh, some uh, disagreeable fellows who are, you know, friendly enough, <laughs> but some, whose opinions I do not agree with. <laughs> See, that's the thing. People don't expect you two, you two to get on or to agree, but I think there's, uh, there's common ground there with you two. I think we could find if we uh, we can ever get you on air properly for a show together. Oh, yeah. WWF, oh. Uh, you know, 90s, early mm. new generation. Love that shit. I'm sure he does too. Oh, yeah. It's WWF, yeah. isn't it? Of course he would. But yeah. No, we thought we'd have you on. WH, like, originally the idea was to uh, to talk some G1, but instead it's actually, this is just, like, it's your graduation having been stuck in a group chat on Twitter with the with, with us Brits going on and on for the last two to three years <laughs> about the things we go on about, Will Cooling going about Tory stuff, you know, NXT UK getting a lot no, of... Please, please get it right. Like it's his. Will Cooling promoting... <laughs> yes very true very true like that going on you know was uh laying the boots into the uh to the bootlicking journos all of that stuff and most of it you probably you've looked on in a uh, in kind of bemusement so i think but i think generally over time i think we've converted you mate and if if anything was going to fully convert you is you uh you being on here for for this the cell is it a celebration episode the funeral episode of uh wow <laughs> the, the, it's, it's an irish okay. wake isn't it <laughs> like I don't know, hold off on the suits. That's all I'll say at the moment. Oh, there still is people employed. Uh, no, it's just when when I know NXT Europe isn't happening, and I'm pretty certain it isn't, because it feels <laughs> like a massive stalling device. And they've decided to le- release the Europeans as mm. well. And ironically, I think some, some of this stuff might come down to Brexit in the end, but who can tell on that one? Way, yeah. That would be a little chef's kiss um, of a bonus on that one, um, <laughs> if that is the case. But yeah, it's mm. it, it, it's like I would have the suit if I wasn't in my flat and there's nothing here apart from a load of fucking sheets I've got on iron, which I'm not going to go into here. Like <laughs> you can probably see on the live stream, there's an ironing board behind. You've been busy doing so much. Because you missed too this, busy. The, the tip, this typical, this this big news breaking finally yeah. after years of us joking about you know we'll have a party, we'll get on stream, we'll uh, we'll throw our suits on, it'll be a whole. Um, grapple celebration and it happened jp like literally it wasn't actually on your birthday but it was maybe like three hours Evening before, before your birthday like, yeah you know the, the great birthday present that uh that sean michaels and co uh wow. bestowed upon you mate uh, and unfortunately you couldn't even enjoy it and you missed our uh our live stream on uh, on thursday on the patreon I, I missed the live stream but i did listen back to it and it was it was a tremendous bit of audio um for going into uh Loads of other stuff because you had Gareth, you had Jamesy, you had Will, you had Andy Ogden as, as one of the survivors of the people who actually watched the show. Um, like, you know, uh, being able to talk about it. And like you say, it is like, thank Christ as well. And it's, it's also, I mean, I like to think that that unit can at least be used by the trampoline park next door, who more than earned their, their stage for it. Yeah. And then being at Rev Pro yesterday, where they were like, Nina Samuels was there. Eddie Dennis obviously came out as well. Um, 
it was it, like I had a big smile on my face about it, and I probably cut loose a lot more this weekend over the birthday weekend than I would have done, safe in the knowledge that that fucking beast is at least dead, and I'm not convinced by the NXT you NXT Europe talk either. Did you convince you consider using the um, the Enfield uh, trampoline center for your birthday party? Maybe would have been perfect, mate. Now that you know that uh, wow, you know, there's an empty unit next door. You could have had a little party there, <sighs> just to rent it out. <laughs> like as as I, I I don't know what for at mm. this point. Just out of spot, just to give more space to the trampoline park as much. <laughs> but yeah, good good riddance. Mm. Like that's that's the thing. It was I, I when I was making notes on this. Um, I was just like thinking to myself, what good came out of it? Like, really? Sorry, just launching straight into the NXT. I was going to ask how your birthday was, but JP's already on one yeah. for it. <laughs> good birthday. No, 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 I'll, I'll save it. Birthday birthday was really good. Sort of tip, uh, topped off by a really good Rev Pro show, which mm-hmm. I'll talk about in a in a bit as well. And, and getting pissed, frankly. So, like, I was in... Um, yeah, I was in good form all this weekend, and NXT UK's death like certainly contributed to that as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, what were you doing, WH, when the uh, when the news came through? Was it a was it a it's probably working? <laughs> no, nah, probably working. But I, I I I was minute uh, silence I, definitely minute. Fuck that! I was like hooting and hollering for you guys. You know, I was like uh, that chat group's gonna be really fucking happy today because yeah. this fucking beast of a piss poor fucking shit promotion is finally fucking dead. Filled with people no one gives a shit about anymore because they signed their souls away to, to Vince McMahon and Triple H and, and just got stuck in fucking the middle of nowhere. That's what Enfield is, right? Just the middle of fucking nowhere, right? Yeah, pretty and- much. The trampoline park, mate. They they deserve to get it. That's 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 its rightful owner of that unit. Well, it isn't. It's whoever owns the freehold, but that's a conversation for another time. Something I'm not <laughs> going to look into. But, like, definitely... The trampoline place. They, Maybe I can revise them. my uh, Google review of the of that place and say, <laughs> you are on there, yeah. Yeah. "Yeah, I've seen that." <laughs> what an, what an, what a, what what an episode that was! No one's thinking Sorry? of the no one's thinking of the little people in this. What are Enfield Town going to do? You know, they've lost their their their, their illustrious shirt. Is it Whoa. still a shirt sponsor? Do they still say NXT no. UK on it? I think um, Mark Doyle, who I saw yesterday, mm. um, he uh, he said to me. He was like, no, they're sponsored, I think, by JD Sports, which seems a lot more kind of an upgrade. Or it's just the JD Sports that happens to be on one of the many retail parks around Enfield, of which there are tons and tons. So that could possibly be the case. Enfield Town doing, they'll be all right. Don't worry about them. They've they've dodged that evil for the time being. And I'm sure, like I say, they'll be able to rent that space out. And um, I don't know anyone who'll miss it, like other than the people who worked there, really. Um, yeah, I saw someone like say you should be all people celebrating the death of this branch and I'll be ashamed for people losing their jobs and shit. It's like, like, like whoever wrote that, fuck you. Like, you ever gave a shit about like some other people losing their jobs or anything like that, like getting laid off or something like that? You know, I, I listen. If you go into wrestling and you think there's not a sixty-five percent chance of you losing your fucking job and not making a living in wrestling. You're fucking delusional. Like you, you need to like have a backup plan mm-hmm. for if you if you think, oh, I lost my job in wrestling. Okay, get another fucking job. Like I lost my job in fucking Japan. I didn't fucking what? cry about it. I came back to Canada and I got a job and I'm fucking working again. I don't moan and bitch about it. Like 
I, people in wrestling are really fucking delusional sometimes like when it comes to like things like oh you should be happy for us when we're successful and and feel bad for us when we're failing no i don't feel fucking bad for you because you don't fucking feel bad for anyone else so what the fuck i think that's weird i think it's weird to i've said this a million times you know the i know food on your tables become like a uh, mm. a benno meme but like like I, I mean this. Cut this out if you want. Put it in the NXT UK wrestlers group chat because I'm sure my my name was mud this week. But like, I don't care about twenty middling bang average wrestlers getting minimum wage. Like, I just don't care. Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. Like, that that is like I, I think it's weirder to be cheering the bank balance of a stranger. It's like being a football supporter and being like, oh, you know, okay, yeah, you know, Anthony Gordon's leaving Everton and he's going to Chelsea. But isn't it, isn't it good that he's going to get it? He's going to get a better wage, going to make more money, he's going to be putting food on the table for his family. Nobody would think like that. There is no, I can't, could you think of an equivalent it's industry, weird. JP, where we, where we do no. that? Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. No. I hope Brad Pitt makes another $10 million more yeah. with this new studio than his old one. I don't give a shit. If Brad Pitt makes ten thousand dollars, you know, versus ten million dollars, just entertain me. That's all I fucking care about. This is the thing. Like, all of this has been like NXT UK at its core has just been a training facility yeah. where the wrestlers aren't allowed to work around the other places in the country, which was the big lie at the center of it, which is why turned against it, because these wrestlers were getting you know, training that no doubt will have helped them improve and, you know, certain things in, in many ways. But then I think the proof, proof of the pudding in that is how when people start to come back, how they are as like wrestlers. I mean, I got to see Eddie Dennis yesterday. I mean, he's in, in kind of like good shape, but it wasn't a match. It was an angle with like Gideon Gray. So when they come back, it's how good they are. Because then it'll be a case of did this training actually work? Or ultimately, was it just a you warehouse people? people you have a mothball you produce a show for bt sport which is fundamentally all it seemed to be there for never really drew outside of like a couple of specials like the scene certainly didn't benefit from it um like there was no tangible there's not like stuff that's really going to kind of live long in the memory some individual matches walter Ilya, things like that i could you know but then that's because of the familiarity with the WXW stuff as well. It's like kind of within a whole kind of bigger chapter of, of their story. But yeah, it was, it was kind of built on the idea of they weren't there to decimate a scene and they came and decimated a scene. And the thing, and, about, the thing about that is as well, is like, it's these people who were out there and we'll get to the, you know, the story itself, some great points being made in the chat. Steph's got a great one there as well, but like at its core, you know, there's people out there being like, Oh, you know, the, the people who don't think Brit Rez, who think Brit Rez is fine, you know, the people who be in my comments going, it's not dead because, you know, TNT drew 60 people this week, or it's not dead because, you know, Catch Wrestling drew 35 people in Manchester City Centre. Like, those people, like, the people who act like nothing happened or nothing went wrong are now acting like these mid-card veterans from NXT UK who've been in stasis for half a decade being released into the wild is gonna like is gonna it's gonna oh it's gonna be this big boom for Brit Rezar. Things are gonna no. it's gonna be gonna have all this experience. It's like 
I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of, of what happened because what happened was, do, as you've said all the time, JP, you know, you've got to read the history book. You've got to, yeah. you know, have maybe an awareness of what's come before and what WWE's motives when they do these types of things. WWE's motive from the start was, you know, it was anti-competitive. It was to stop yeah. ITV World of Sport getting off the ground. Not that it ever fucking would have anyway, but, no. you know, they were so paranoid about it. That's why they got involved. That's why they, they hoovered up basically an entire generation's worth of talent and it wasn't yeah. and these aren't like you know not every person on that roster was pete Dunne, as shown by the people who've been released back into the wild you know this week what happened was they signed the pete Dunns of the world they signed the tyler bates of the world but the biggest damaging thing to the res indies was they also signed up that mid card or those guys that w- were about to come next or those guys that were filling up cards up, up and down the country and like there's an entire there's a real disconnect it's going to be when we get into like the future and stuff as far as like how they're going to adapt to this new Brit res that we've got right now. Mm. You know, the, the Brit res that is completely different to the one that they left. It's a different world because what happened with WWE coming into this market and trying to do this NXT UK project and failing over these last six years was they destabilized the market. There's an entire generation mm-hmm. missing. And it's not as simple as plug all these people back in and ah, oh, it's gonna be great going forwards. Like the damage is done, and it fa- it fails a product as far as being a watchable product, as far as being a notable product, as far as being a relevant a, a relevant product. Mm. But what it did achieve was to destabilize an entire region, and you know, along with you know speaking out, which is a massive thing. COVID yep. obviously you know was a massive thing, completely obliterated the scene that we've got now and if yeah if people think the uh the good times are coming back around the corner again now because you know to pick a name dave mastiff is back on the indies like or you know shah samuels is back on the indies like you've got another thing coming yeah yeah exactly i mean it's it i mean you mentioned that sort of triumvirate of those are the the reasons why between wwe between speaking out and between covid those are the things that decimated the scene and you know this weekend i was at night two of rev pro which was the like effectively the it's very weird when looking back at it like these people coming back onto the scene the companies that kind of need them the most are the companies that already had the agreements already had like relationships with wwe and that's kind of like progress icw um uh, ott Whatever ver- whatever promotion turns up in Wolverhampton next, they're the ones who kind of need this talent to come back. But I don't think there's going to be like a kind of massive demand because the issue is when they went away, a lot of them weren't headliners. This isn't like a group of headliners coming back on the scene. Effectively, it feels just like the, the like you mentioned, it's like the mid card coming back, which was there to kind of add balance to a lot of the cards. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, I would say the only thing that would draw is if we're seeing an Enfield No More faction like that, <laughs> I could be 150% on board with because I think that would be like, I, w- I would just love to see it because I think there's loads of kind of good material for that. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm partly saying that in jest. It's, it's, it's easy to see how a lot of these wrestlers will plug back into like these companies, but a lot of these companies aren't the same version of the ones that, they left in the first place 
because they're they're kind of decimated anymore (laughs) yeah the the hot companies back then you know it's it's a completely different brit res like you know there's this little list of names you know excite your whs people you'd you'd want to see mixing it up you know travel in the world you know mark andrews flash morgan webster wild (laughs) boar you know saxton huxley amir jordan Primate, <laughs> maybe Trent Seven is a surprise one. We didn't know that at the at the time of the. No, I have no. I have never had any interest in watching Trent Seven fucking wrestle. <laughs> Ashton Smith, do you even He's know that is fucking Death shit? Thomas? That guy. No, like here's the thing. Like I think we also should say like wrestling, wrestling in general, the scene is different worldwide. Like when Brit Res was like the hot thing before WB came in, before COVID and speaking out, you had a strong like New Japan pro wrestling that was interesting to a wider audience like three years ago now no because of a variety of reasons like people not being able to 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 promote it with gifts and stuff like that uh, not being a good product anymore like just kind of making really just bad decisions that like alienate long-term fans i feel um and more like not not the super hardcores they still love it that's cool but like for me like i i don't pledge my allegiance to any one promotion like i will i will watch something and i will promote it and say it's good if mm. it's if i think it's good if i if it entertains me and i'll tell you it's shit if it doesn't entertain me um people like me i think there's more of me than there are like the super hardcores of one particular promotion anymore um but that that's that 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 scene doesn't exist anymore either so i think it, it affects like things that happen regionally whether it's american indies or or the british wrestling scene um so like you can't have like these guys who who are gonna come from new japan come over and bolster up like rev pro or progress or where the fuck they, they they get bookings or whatever because they're not as hot as they used to be anymore like mm-hmm. i think there's few exceptions like like osprey is probably one because he's working at such a high level in the ring and mm-hmm. and maybe like if okada did some states maybe but if you sent fucking evil over no one's gonna fucking go to that show he yeah. is sadly coming over no yeah. doubt at some he'll point. be on that list it's a different yeah. world is the thing that they're, that they're yeah that they're all coming back around to and like to say called back around to you know back comment in the chat from, from steph you know this i feel like nxt nxt uk died how it lived like this like the pr the pr machine they were going crazy you know we the first news we got on thursday was this big press release that yeah nxt europe's happening and you know Shawn michaels is out there doing like interviews with these outlets who are like buying it hook line and sinker and i saw plenty of blue check mark journalists out there buying it hook line and sinker and some of the uh the journalists like that out there might be people who you know they're probably mostly um excited for the the possibility of all of nxt europe's uh in place maybe i'll get a, a flight out to somewhere nice in europe to go and uh, and cover this stuff along with me uh flights that go with when i get to uh to travel to uh, to wrestlemania and uh and give wwe this uh this cozy cozy coverage but people like it was just it showed exactly what NXT UK was in the grand scheme of this. It was completely meaningless because WWE Europe's like, Shawn Michaels is out there going, oh, you know, it's really, how great is, how excited is it for all this NXT UK talent? Three hours later, pretty much to a man and woman, all of that NXT UK talent is getting released. And that is what it was. And not only that, they're getting released a couple of weeks before Oh, what's coming up, JP? Oh, oh. a big UK pay-per-view? Oh, a big yep. UK pay-per-view that, like, 
you know, how, like, I, you don't want to kick them when they're down as much as I'll be, you know, mean about, uh, you know, food on tables and stuff. But, like, it's almost, it's sad and it's pathetic almost to have seen, yeah. like, the Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Websters of the world on Twitter when the, when this Cardiff show got announced being like, oh, yeah, you know, posting pictures of themselves, like, there's my goal. I'm going to appear on this, you know, this first big show since SummerSlam in 1992 in my home country at that. Can't wait. Two weeks mm. before that big show in your home country, like basically to be released every last one of years. Every like there was like a, a string of as the news was coming through yep. on Thursday night. It was just all the Welsh lads. And if that didn't show you how irrelevant NXT UK and the wrestlers were there, you know, they were WWE wrestlers by name. It's you know, so for some of them this was enough. They had a WWE logo on their contract and they'll take that to their dying days of I work for WWE. They gave me a tracksuit and a contract that said WWE on it, so I live my dream. But like, what it? What do they actually mean in the real ecosystem of WWE? Unless you were Pete Dunne, unless you were Walter, unless for some reason you were Gallus, who, like I say, inexplicably, I they are that. taken to the United States. None of them meant anything. They were work experience lads who were 15 years too old to be on work experience, making wages that like people working in you know your local supermarket or working you know in call centers make and that was it they were that you know if that was your dream and you know you you got that you got that dream congratulations but like as far as it being anything more than that wwe now is launching what allegedly is going to be an even bigger greater thing wwe or up next year they're running the first pay-per-view over here proper pay-per-view in in 20 years and none of you fuckers are going to be part of it. No. And that is the reality. And they can get mad at me and they can get mad at the people who are negative towards them over the years and negative towards the very idea of NXT UK. But that is what that company thought of you. And that is, yeah. that's just the reality of it. And it was never never shown in, in more bright light than, than on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the th- other, like, other kick in the teeth is, obviously there are some independent shows going on around that weekend in Cardiff. And a lot of them can't wrestle on those, apparently, because they've got 30-day no-competes. <laughs> so, like, that's an extra kick in the teeth. Yeah, it really is. But it's it's kind of completely inevitable for, for what it was. It's just how did it last this long? Because it was like a zombie promotion when it was in BT Sports Studio. It was just, like, pure content for content's sake. Um, but like, I was surprised that Zia Brookside was released. That was one of the names. Hmm. And I was like, Jesus, like, what was I say about Robbie Brookside then in that case? I would have thought she'd have been guaranteed a kind of uh, a job for that. But this Clash of the Castle show, to go go to it. Now, like, in terms of UK representation, what are we going to get? Joseph Connors? Um, Butch? Who else? Who else is going to be appearing on that? And British, no British one from legend, NXT. Seamus. Shame. <laughs> I know exactly. he's not British, so, by the way. The Irish don't yeah. hit me. <laughs> so that's the joke. What we end up with here is like if you if you go back to drill, like what was NXT UK about? Did it build stars? You go, well, no, because you're doing a pay per view in the UK, a big show, big stadium show, and you haven't got room for these guys. So like they didn't think particularly high high of them. It just makes you realize that actually what they were there to do was to kind of mothball them. And it was the last place that kind of mothballed because after all the various releases, mm. it felt like there was something that was way. And we just kept on going, why is NXT UK avoiding it? Because it's the very example of it. Yep. Um, you look at the names of the people who are there, who are still there. It's like a kid is there, but it's, you know, he's overdoing that weird maths lucha gimmick thing on there. Um, 
is it A for Valkyrie? Like Blair Davenport, Charlie Dempsey. No one really inexplicably seem to like still. I don't yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oliver Carter. I think who Rampage Brown. Who is Oliver Carter? He's I feel German like that's the guy, one James he made up. <laughs> he, was ta- he, he was tagged with Ashton Smith, as far as I can remember saying on there. But and they're there to lose to NXT. And it's not like NXT has got like any kind of particular focus. There's no way Tyler Bates going over Bron Brecker. No, I, I like that clip I saw where Bron Breaker, he, I thought he legit looked at Tyler Bates like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> who are you, you little fucking vanilla midget? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so, it's, it's such a, it, it feels like that the entire thing has just been a gigantic waste of time. Yep. As far as it is. It's half served decade, no Jason. purpose. Half a decade. Right. Like half a decade, and they're probably I don't. I mean, in terms of great matches or moments from it, I'm struggling to think of any. I know people will remind us of them, but for the most part, it had there were like some individual moments quite early on. On the early I could tell you, yeah. yeah, on the early takeover, Pete and Tyler, in America, you, you know, Tyler yeah. and Walter. Outside of Walter Ilya hmm. in that COVID, that was the last things you could kind of think. Oh, they were they were good because they. Ex- they were so non WWE. It was an extreme exception did. to the rule that match. The two yeah. matches. But mm. outside of it, it was it was just content for content's sake. And I had it on as like a fingertip, you know, on my phone. And I'd just be like, I can't be asked. Because I never thought I was going to see anything of any particular substance. So like, you know, they go like NXT Europe as a thing, I can't see that happening at all. Like I think that's dead in the yeah. water. It's a MacGuffin. It. I don't. It's not a real thing. Yeah, it's a MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The, the it sacking is all the because... Europeans. Like they're not just they're not just the Brits getting sacked. Here. The second the Euro- who are they actually yeah. gonna unless they bring a Mason Ryan back? Who's gonna make up the NXT Europe <laughs> roster? Like you know, that's it. It isn't gonna exist, and it's not like I don't think WXW are they in a healthy place at the moment? Not from you know stuff that I've you know read about them in in terms of how they're being able to draw so it's not like european wrestling is is thriving and it's just the uk itself you know i don't hear of ott running the national stadium or anything else like that i mean there's a whole venue kind of crisis they have to move to Wolverhampton. that's all desperate (laughs) yeah like that's it and it is it's like effectively what has ended up happening with like the uk scene at the moment is the one promotion that was always considered like unfashionable but did its bread and butter, built its own kind of stars and, and, and all the rest of it. And that's Rev Pro. And they've drawn this weekend what I think um I think like according to them it was like six fifty. Six fifty to seven hundred, like I think, personally. At your hall, to be fair, like this weekend, but <sighs> it was an awful weekend for it. Mm. Like just in terms of the train strikes and everything else, it was just like kind of gridlock mm. and everything else. So but they're the only ones who are hitting those heights. And yeah, they have someone like a, a Will Ospreay, for example, to bring in. They do have that access to, to kind of outsider talent as well. They're going to get a shock, this talent, as Will says there in the chat. You know, a lot of these guys, are they going to have a, mm-hmm. like Will said, are they going to have the stomach for it? You know, they've gotten used to this yeah. easy monthly check from WWE. Are they going to want to, like, you mm-hmm. know, travel up to, you know, Newcastle for a North booking, you know, just to wrestle in front of some people and, like I say, come to the Northwest yeah. and wrestle in front of 50 people and, you know, go to the these odd little promotions that are, that are around the country <laughs> and do that grind for what, you know? 
they had their dream if that was yeah. their dream to be to be WWE contact wrestlers it's just yeah I just I don't see you know I, I, it wouldn't shock me if a few of the names we've mentioned as far as people who are gone you don't see you know again when the uh, yeah. you know when their, their time is up you know next month I think it'd be interesting to see who pops up in, in places like Red Pro and who doesn't but I mean yeah on NXT UK it just it is a it's a brand that never existed like as far as I'm concerned like that first tournament was it like that first tournament and the hope that came with it and the presentation, the gravitas that it got, you know, Michael Cole on the call and Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates shining and, you know, all, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. That was it. That was that was the peak. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, you know, there's those Walter Ilya matches and there's the odd time where, you know, there was definitely haves and have nots, you know, under contract with NXT UK, you know, Tyler, Pete, Trent, those guys, you know, definitely got, you know, better spots and, you know, better you know pride the place as far as like doing stuff in, in america and the like but as for the rest of it as far as like it being a thing it never took off it was these pedestrian boring one hour paint by numbers ww formula shows that you know you might find the odd american podcast that you pretend they watched it and pretend that they thought it good knocking around there but as far as anybody with with any sense i think it was only like you know it was ian hamilton and andy ogden were the only two people you know trying to trying to watch this mm. thing you know by the end like it might as well have not existed that's half a decade of time yeah. where really what was what was achieved you know there were individual people who've you know made it to america like i say your walters and if you want to count mm-hmm. butchers as a success for for pete Dunne, you know <laughs> he's made it out there as well but for everyone else it's you know to, to quote uh, that aston smith quote about you know when he got signed and he he saw himself as like, what, what did he say something like you know once you're a premier league talent you know you don't uh you don't continue to uh to go and uh and work in the Vauxhall conference or the non-leagues well it's back to the non-leagues for them you know, it's back to the yeah. leagues for these 20, 25 people, you know, and that's it. You know, we, at the end of the day, like, I, I, as we get further and further away from this, like, NXT UK is just, like, it's how we're just going to look back at it as a stain as far as, like, yeah. as part of wrestling history. History is not going to look fondly on the British promoters and the people who were doing really well out of the Brit Res boom, you know just rolling over and rolling out the yeah. red carpet in some cases to allow WWE to come in and do this and, you know, put on that smiley face about how WWE were coming over here to, to help the scene and how it was, you know, we should, you know, we should all hang our heads in shame and, you know, we should all, uh, you know, <laughs> you know it, it wasn't, the, it's not the way um, stuff and all of that, all of that kind of propaganda we got, we got at, the, at the start, all of that was just to, to welcome this complete non-entity of a product that at the end of the day gave, what, 30 people a bog-standard wage to appear on a WWE Network yeah. program that nobody watched. That is the legacy of NXT UK. Yeah. That's the, that's the, for it itself, it will be to people outside of who, who weren't like here during the kind of British wrestling boom um, of the, the sort of mid-2010s, this is just like a curio product an hour-long, UK-long focus, and that's all it will be to them, like a weird thing, and there'll be like these little kind of highlights they'll take from, oh, this was a good technical match, and it'll be like for someone like a early in their career, like a Charlie Dempsey. But the the impact of it is now, I mean, like they're coming back to a scene where if you just look at it from a cold, hard numbers perspective, we've got less promotions. The promotions there, a lot of them aren't drawing anywhere near what they used to do. Um there's promotions like we talk about Rev Pro uh, in a bit where 
that's the most that's the biggest of the promotions in the UK by like a kind of relatively wide margin and it's hard to see a lot of these wrestlers who've been released kind of slotting in like I mean don't get me wrong I mean I mentioned about an invasion angle because it feels like it'd be the best use of them otherwise trying to introduce people kind of piecemeal I saw a bit of it not entirely convinced and you mentioned there about the hustle and the grind that's what it's going to take for somebody to kind of do that and it's like are they like are there people going to be going out there going, right, I've been training for five years, I've been kind of in mothballs, I've not been doing a lot, I'm going to show them and come out and do brilliantly. I'm just not convinced that's the case. We see this a lot when we see like NXT releases and stuff like that where people just disappear. They just go, do you know what? I had it, I wrestled for them, I'm not going to... AEW going to pick up any of these people? No. Like maybe we mentioned, you mentioned one like Millie McKenzie. Would be the yeah, kind of obvious one. I'm a big lucky yeah. kid fan, you know, Tierman or whatever he goes yeah. by now. Maybe I am know, with a refresh, he could land somewhere interesting. But these names are few and far between. Yeah, they really are, aren't they? I mean, like you, you, you're looking through the list, and you're not. It, it's it, it's kind of it's. You wonder what what can actually be done with them. What is there anything remotely fresh that can that can be done with any of these people on here. Like a Kenny, do they slot into what is a much smaller version of ICW? Someone like a Kenny Williams, probably like, like none of them, like they're going to have to come on the scene and absolutely kind of build themselves up. And maybe someone like a Mark Andrews who had been to PWG, there's a fair chance he could get enough bookings in the States and whatnot. Like, he's probably the kind of closest to the kind of established stars who are there. Don't see Trent Seven wanting to do the grind. Again, frankly, don't see that at all. Like 50-50 uh, on him. He'll either start a new fight club mm. pro or he will literally never hear. Like, he was absolutely his from like tweet lists. Like, there was, he didn't, I don't think he's, he said anything about his release. It's just nope. kind of, that came, he came out on the, the wrestle talk list. It would have been funny if he'd written out fuck off in spaces <laughs> or something like that. That would have... I'd have laughed at that. <laughs> oh, I mean, what, what do you think to be? What do you think, like, what do you think NXT Europe even is? Like, if it's not NXT Nothing. UK, if they're not keeping any of the wrestlers, like, what what even could it be? Yeah. I, maybe it's the name of, like, Jeff Jarrett's new initiative that he started <laughs> before he got fired. I, I don't know. <laughs> all, all I know is that this means for sure that NXT Mexico and fucking Japan, NXT Japan gonna yeah. never going to happen. Not that they were. They would have been fucking dead in the water, both the, because like mm. people forget, Japan has has a, a, a scene, an established scene for the last fifty years that wasn't going to tolerate fucking Vince McMahon coming in there and like trying to take it over. I think like yeah. you would have seen a lot of Japanese promotions banding together to stop that from happening. I think also Japanese fans, you know, like there's there are hardcore WWE fans in Japan. I've seen them because I've been to like NXT shows in. In, in Japan and the cosplayers come out in fucking full force for those. I once saw I was in Osaka for an NXT show <clears throat> Nakamura versus Joe good match by the way Asuka <laughs> yeah. versus Nia Jax and there was a there was someone fucking cosplaying as blue pants fucking Leva Bates and I was like what? I was like what the fuck I, I, those pictures will come up on my Facebook memories and I'll be like <laughs> oh yeah someone fucking cosplayed as fucking fucking blue pants for some strange reason that's how hardcore that's these fucking people are in for for wwe but like mexico again lucha yeah. super strong culture there in, in the marketplace i don't think wwe was ever gonna go r- like ramshot in there like they did 
the United Kingdom because there's no <clears throat> established industry in in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. for wrestling like there is in Japan and, and it, Mexico and and they're bit. cutting back costs. I still think they're preparing well. for a sale, right? Like that's what I think. And this is the last thing they, they want to get off the books and to make you know profits higher so they can get a better price for yeah. for selling the stock. And I, I bet you Vince more than ever is like get telling Nick, get me that fucking get me that sale, dude. Like you're my real son, you know, <laughs> Nick. Sell, you know, oh, still yeah, oh, yeah, th- the biggest shareholder. You know, he still still make the most money off the sale. Yeah, I'm actually now more and more regretting not bringing the suit for my girlfriends here tonight <laughs> to wear, like for the live stream. The the more we talk about this, but I mean, yeah, the only way they could work. I was thinking about N- NXT Mexico. The only thing they would ever be able to do is if they bought CMLL. Which they probably would sell with them, but they'd fuck it up. They wouldn't get it because they don't understand kind of like wrestling. Everyone would unmask. Yeah, that's what they would do. Like, and we're all gonna get, we're all gonna give them names that but, uh, you know English speakers can pronounce. They yeah. do the same fucking thing in Japan too, you know. And and Johnny Caballero would inexplicably work his way right. um, onto it there. But it's it like it is one of these things now where um, it, there could have been a scene in the UK. It's one of like the biggest annoyances. There was that point which felt like really around 2016, 20, like 2017 before the UK championship tournament where we'd seen certain wrestlers, particularly like Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay, like on their own merits, get into kind of new Japan and become stars. And you thought that was the way that people should grow. They would, they would kind of move on, but it felt like there was a scene there. And there were people who were like ready to kind of take over on that. And when this happened, it kind of just put pay to it. And you saw promotions. There was the issues about people not being able to appear because of VODs, which we had been directly lied to and said that this wasn't an issue. And then they said it was down to safety, but it was just like any excuse to pull them off the, the shows. And it, it's, it's been so detrimental. I'm so happy it's dead. I mean, and those wrestlers within this, I'd happily say to those of them listening, prove us wrong. Go out and fucking tear it up on the UK scene. Like, if if we're so wrong, like, let's, you know, I I doubt it in a lot of cases. I don't have, uh, like, any particular faith from it, from that happening, but I'm not going to miss it. I don't know if I could miss something that I rarely ever watch watched other than kind of out of obligation to watch one of these shows occasionally and i was just like fucking hell i hated that it would just like wash over my eyes memories of pete dunn versus joe coffee like 12 <laughs> times and the rest of it and going oh christ i don't care i don't care anymore yeah so yeah it's going to be it's going to be an interesting landscape within the uk and it's going to be interesting to see the numbers it's going to be interesting to see is you know are there people who are were fan, are fans of NXT UK? Are they going to be coming out to watch these shows? They've been coming out I, to watch I NXT UK. That's why they didn't do any live shows. <laughs> That's why they never yeah. bothered trying to even come back after the after pandemic, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I say, that, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, to, like I say, to see what NXT Europe even is, you know, going forward. Like I say, I'm not confident that it ever becomes anything. Does it become like a big yeah. training facility that they just happen to base in Europe rather than, you know, trying to get trying and failing again to do another, you know, weekly network show. Cause you think if they were going to do that, they just, you know, keep these lads under and ladies under contract and, and continue forth with that. Um, yeah, I've got no real expectation on, on that ever coming to fruition. And 
yeah, it's just like I said, like I said before, it died the way it lived. You know, NXT UK, it was a complete, you know, failure. I think as far as providing, you know, a, a real pipeline to, to talent, it was a failure as far as providing a an entertaining or good television show or notable television show that anybody cared about. But like I said, the one thing it was successful in was destabilizing, you know, a region and mm-hmm. they achieved that. And now, you know, we move on and it's, uh, you know, it is just, it's going to, it's going to be a distant memory and it's going to be, you know, a joke for time to come. As it should be. And if, if I could put in an early request, if we could open with the music that, um, and I read the lyrics to it yesterday of the, uh, the Ogden brothers, NXT UK song <laughs> so we didn't start the fire which they showed it to me last night like which I was just like hey, fucking awesome you'll hear that I just it? looked at it just, yeah. <laughs> at some point uh, during this recording but yeah like I said not gonna not gonna cry any, any tears for it and yeah I think uh, you know join most people in, uh, in saying good riddance on it but I suppose you know we should uh, you know I, I've noted in the uh, in the chat as we've uh, been talking there has been some uh, some other WWE news tonight apparently uh, you know if there wasn't enough Ooh. for us to cover tonight JP uh, not only is uh, as Jeff Jarrett been released uh, from WWE apparently Road Dogs got a new job um, <laughs> any comments on yeah. that. <laughs> There's some history being uh, <clears throat> replayed there, you know. <laughs> uh, Road Dog replaying uh, Jeff Jarrett, you know. How, how many how many times do you think Road Dog had to call Triple H crying <clears throat> until he was like, "Fine, you can come back." Maybe that's where the uh, the NXT UK money's going. It's to uh, to pay Road Dog's wage. Why? Well, no, prob- probably to pay off Jeff like an NDA. Maybe they did an NDA for Jeff, so he doesn't <laughs> disclose anything while he was like. He wouldn't. You know, Not that kind there. of bloke. Mm. That's a weird one. That because he was only in that position from like May, like live events. He'll be back. Mm-hmm. I don't know how who has the record for who's gone more times and fallen out of favor. It's genuinely incredible at this point. He'll probably turn up as fucking pr- doing promotion for New Japan sh- shows in the US or something mental like that. And I'll just shake my head or turn up in impact. Why not? Maybe ITV World Shits and Giggles. Back, was gonna be Him versus Josh Alexander, and he'll convince them that he should win. <laughs> like, that's what he'll do. Like, and they'll make Josh Alexander job to him. Like, remember, that me- kind of stuff. Remember when he was going to be like the face of ITV World of Sports, and they were going to like be doing tapings yeah. in Preston, and like, maybe that's what it is, you know? He's seen the opportunity, you know, as uh, as Jeff to uh, to get back on the uh, on the European scene and fill, fill, maybe he's got contacts in BT Sport, fill that hour that. Uh, that NXT UK has left behind, maybe. He's got some global force tapes, or has he? Did Billy call, I don't know, did someone destroy them? Wasn't that the story at some point? <laughs> Those weird pay-per-views with Chael Sonnen and stuff, and Bobby Roode. Uh, well, the one thing you can guarantee is that Jeff Jarrett will land on his feet, no, no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> you'll, have the, you'll have Tony Khan's job in AEW or something, or he'll be back in. He'll be, he'll be in Bullet Club again. WH, you'll have to watch him over there, over in, uh, over in Japan. Oh fuck, That's good. Right. I, 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 I ever gave a shit. Like he can fucking bring a uh, fucking Pete, Pete fucking Demore, or where fuck his name is. Oh, yeah, Scott Demore. Scott Demore. Yeah. Uh, fuck Pete Demore. Scott Demore. Who cares? I like Scott <laughs> Doesn't matter. Demore. You know, we will go back home to Impact. TNA is that is huh? Impact. Impact, sure. <laughs> I, I can see him going back there, like with no political power, but like as a, as a talent, on screen talent. Yeah. Sure, I can see that. Give his give give Karen a big push as his manager. You know, it's like yeah. they'll be like maybe Impact would like we need our own version of Cody and Brandy. Oh, let's get bring Jeff and Karen back. <laughs> on TV. 
they were Cody and Brandy before there was Cody and this Brandy. Is true, really, we just never knew this at the time. <laughs> They'd set this weird kind of template for it. Cody in and Brandy wish they were Rick, Jeff and Karen. Yeah. At Ric Flair's last match, they were in awesome form. That would be the thing that I would say. Like, Karen Jarrett just went hell for leather that <laughs> entire show. Like, it, it, quite incredible, genuinely. By the way, um, that's not his last match. I guarantee it. He's going to try to do well, it. Well, he's hasn't Conrad, he's trademarked a name. Is it like Southwest Championship Wrestling, <laughs> which is like the old Blanchard one on there? Like, they saw 8,000 gate, like, what was it, 29,000 buys? Like, they'll be doing it all over this. Be all those la- all the lads with podcasts. Got to do uh, his, you know, singles match. His, his last match has got to be a singles match. 60 minutes in a, in a steel cage in North Carolina, you know, maybe, <laughs> he's, he's, maybe he'll conv- he's gonna, he's gonna convince Steamboat to put the tights back up. I say, he was looking well on Dynamite, so you know, there's a, right. there's a, always that. A, that when does he look bad? <laughs> True, when did when does Ricky Steamboat ever look bad? There's that point where he's like had a fucking dragon on his head and he's breathing fire, yeah, that was, that was shit, yeah. and I love Steamboat. I, I'm a oh. huge Mark Ricky Steamboat fan, but like when he came back. After the NWA run, I was just like, no, Ricky, why? Does it offend you that as a child, WH, that's how I was introduced to Ricky Steamboat? Stupid dragon no. in a costume and a breathing no, 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 fire. No, no. I, what, what offends me is you think Nick Gage is actually a wrestler. No. <laughs> <laughs> From R- Ricky Steamboat to Nick Gage, that's a 180 if ever there was one. Two, two very different wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was good. I, I like the uh, little uh, dragon tie-in with like House of the Dragon with dragon slayer versus the american dragon and you had ricky the dragon being the timekeeper and all that it's yeah like, it's fun shit it's like it job. takes me back to the days of like you know like uh let's get our guest uh you know guest timekeeper announcers for like gimmick matches and and we had like the whole thing with what flare steamboat was mm. it with the uh with Funk as one of the judges and then that's that yeah. once the Flunk Funk Flare feud that was awesome too Good shit. But I will say like, this. That's one Beno, of the greatest transitions, that the, one. <laughs> the, uh, the Ricky Steamboat as a fire-breathing dragon is better than Ricky Steamboat as a family man. Yeah. Fair enough. As yeah. NWA world champion. Yeah, he couldn't yeah. have been less cool. And, uh, <laughs> no. Bringing out the... No. Uh, Compared to the kid. horseman. Yeah. <laughs> he's up against the horseman. He's bringing out his wife and kid. It's like, who are you going to be following? Like, <laughs> like, really? That was it. Oh. Well, speaking of dragons, as you said there, yeah, we, there was a lot of tie-ins on uh, on Dynamite this week. I, they were missing, like, you know, Super Dragon or Dragon Dragon, you know, could have given Dragon Ice here, booking a lot of... Uh, Double Dragon. <laughs> Double Dragon. Video game. Great game. Great game back on the day. Could have brought some, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people back in, but yeah, the other... Uh, the other big news story we got to cover because it wasn't just the uh, the death of uh, NXT UK that we were uh, celebrating on Thursday. It was also the return of I don't know backstage politics and drama, or the first ever backstage politics and drama that uh, the AEW have ever had. If you just based it purely on the uh, report that's been done over these uh, these last couple of years of this, you know, heaven like. Uh, backstage environment they uh, allegedly mm. had in WWE until apparently it's now come out this week that it's an absolute shit show um, backstage in, uh, in AEW but yeah you missed this uh, this too as well on uh, on Thursday JP like I say we uh, you know we've got to get into Dynamite which got a lot of a uh, lot of positives to stay but to mm. say, well, but 
kind of been uh, overshadowed by this uh, this new story uh, coming out uh, over the weekend. Obviously, you know, CM Punk uh, taking some shots at uh, at Hangman Page in the uh, the opening to his uh, to his promo on Dynamite. I think it was uh, initially uh, reported um, by I think it was Dave Meltzer on Observer Radio saying that the you know those uh, comments took people by surprise and it wasn't wasn't part of the show and it wasn't uh, in any way you know uh, an in character thing to to build any kind of uh, match with with Hangman Page. We then had you know subsequent um, reporting coming out. You know Fightful Select reporting that uh, apparently mm-hmm. Punk and Page hadn't seen uh, eye to eye on some of that very weird uh, promo uh, material that we had in the uh, the lead into uh, to Double or Nothing. Um, you know the uh, the famous uh, promo where uh, where Hangman Page talked about workers' rights and seemed to be alluding to Colt Cabana, but didn't outright uh, say it at any point. Either. I would have had a lot more respect for Hangman Page to be honest with you. Just uh, just outright said it yeah. um, at that point, but you know, obviously that caused some trouble. And Voices of Wrestling also reporting that they'd heard that uh, the Punk had told uh, people around May time that he wouldn't lose to Hangman Page going forward whether that's uh you know, continues to be the case or it was just something punk said in anger at the time or was saying to people what didn't really mean we we don't really know voices also reported that there was a, around that time a, a backstage meeting with uh, with tony khan and the uh, the two wrestlers concerned it's wrestling so there's always going to be people out there who are going to believe you know this stuff is a work or whatever or you know that there's maybe maybe it was a shoot that's turned into a work and you know it's all going to be to set up some kind of match but doesn't seem that well right 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 now to me it feels like you know punk was being punk unhappy with what hangman page said in there in his uh, pre-double nothing double or nothing promo and he's come back with a a receipt this week um on dynamite and like i say dominated the uh, the news cycle jp what uh, mm. what's your uh, reaction uh, been to the story oh it's so weird because between this story with the hangman stuff and then the ultra weird announcement of the um like the the title the the uh punk moxie match, match being next week like that kind of derailed what i thought was like an absolutely cracking episode of dynamite for me which is really odd um in terms of like my immediate thought process in this was like i mean the the happy camper stuff for aw the workplaces aren't like that if you work in a workplace it's, it's not how it is and i don't necessarily feel like within wrestling like i kind of echo a lot of the thoughts i could think of like gareth in particular saying when you were doing like the breaking news bit which is i like a little bit of needle you want to see that kind of competitive edge. I don't think this is necessarily straying into something too far, but it creates the tension that you need so you don't get kind of lazy as a company where people are like having to kind of like really push for why they should be on top. And I think if everyone is mates backstage, I think that's when it gets slack. I think that's when the foot goes off the gas in a very different way in WWE. As soon as there was no competition and it was very clear that Vince dictated what exactly was going to happen. At that point, it kind of quashed a lot of the competitive spirit amongst wrestlers there. So I think you kind of need this. I always think it's interesting that we've had a uh, a raft of promotions of people within like a kind of a hierarchy. And you'd said this when, when we spoke about this before that that seems like they're getting into place the idea that things aren't, well, I mean, Shivani made a comment about communication being bad. Obviously, that was like a kind of key part of why of the stuff that Jonathan Gresham had said there as well. I mean, if that sounds dickishness, if that sounds like a di- me being dickish on that part, then 
I'm going to, you know, go for the cliche again, read a history book. This has existed in every fucking company since wrestling has been a thing. Back to the old Gotch and Hackenschmidt days. They weren't fucking happy campers backstage. You know, that's dickishness taken to the fucking extreme for them. I always think the shitty part with the CM Punk stuff in the workers' rights bits is this all relates to Colt and Colt Cabana. And that is, if it, you know, from the outside, like between not knowing the like specifics of the details of why they kind of loathe each other, you know, he was, he was a dick. CM Punk, which is kind of what he always has been. Yeah, he's always, you know, even back to you getting a photo with him, you have to have that Ring of Honor tracksuit to do that because he wasn't doing it for anyone else. Yeah, why? Because he he fucking won't. And for better or for worse, and I think this is, I might be quoting you verbatim here. That's the CM Punk you're getting. Now, if you think of his storylines since he's come into AEW, for the most part, they've had that little bit of like that kind of little bit of needle to them, which is why they've made them so interesting. You know, thinking about, you know, the feud with Eddie Kingston in particular, you know, there's always been these kind of part parts of it there. I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I think that bit of needle backstage ultimately helped ring of honor possibly like in, in a period to kind of get it up there because there was that kind of really, you know, that bit of needle backstage, I keep mentioning that term all the time. And also, do I think is it a shoot or a work? There's that part of me think that this ultimately ends up in angles and matches. So I kind of want to say it's a work. I also but don't have a clue what the all-out main event is going to be as well. So it's a, it's such a fucking weird situation. And on the back of the MJF stuff as well, it gets even weirder with that. And so, yeah. Maybe Tony just thinking blessed relief that Fulham are doing all right at the minute because he can just fucking run off over to here and be more interested than that. And he's like, I'll leave this to Christopher Daniels and QT Marshall to sort out. <laughs> what do you make of it, WH? What was your uh, reaction to it? Work or shoot? Do you believe you're um, going to it being a work in any way? I mean, it'd be very WCW for this to all be a work. I, I honestly, like, they're all workers. You know, like, if it's a shoot or a work, or what I call, you know, a schwerk, you know, a combination of a shoot and a work, a schwerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, listen, they, these guys fucking tell the fucking journos, whether it's Meltzer or fucking Voices of Wrestling or fucking Fightful Select, they know who they can talk to and, and leak shit. And then they're going to fucking, you know, and they know, okay, they're going to source it. They're going to get a second source of this. We're going to tell them to tell them the same fucking thing, you know that it's a shoot or a work, whatever it is. I don't know. Like, who cares? Honestly, like, I don't fucking care. It's like, I always knew there was, like, backstage turmoil in that fucking company because you can't have a company filled with fucking Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks on one side, fucking fucking Cody and Brandy on another, and yeah. not have fucking conflict. It, it was like, what I called it at first was, like, fucking food court wrestling company, right? Yeah, like, you know, this is fucking the Bucks little fucking food stand, Kenny's little fucking food stand, which conflicted what with Brandy's little they, fucking food stand. What types of food are Well, if the Bucks was like tag team wrestling, right? And that's like fucking, I don't <laughs> well, know. I uh, food terms, but so, so, well, like uh, <laughs> uh, fucking uh, Cracker Barrel. That's the fucking Young Bucks, right? Uh, fucking Kenny's is, Kenny's is fucking, fucking Kenny is like uh, fucking Panda Express, right? Like, like Asian food, uh, fucking, you know, <laughs> 
distilled for for fucking Western uh, palates and shit. Brandies is like I don't know, fucking Baskin Robbins or some shit. And and fucking Cody is like Cody thinks he's like fucking in an outbreaker but he's actually mcdonald's you know what i mean and, <laughs> and tony's cody the fucking like, manager of the food court that's what that's what he was now it's less so because cody and brandy are gone like so like you know you had those stories like brandy's vision of the women's division is this and it it, it contrasts with kenny's vision of he wants to make it an american joshi promotion or whatever right and that's why he brings in like all the you know the tjbw staff uh you know much to i'm sure carl's delight you know like uh he's like yes they're getting a chance in america but um i i i do think like if punk said these things without permission and he's just doing it to like get back at hangman page for the comments he made it's stupid because it's like you just made like your top baby face yeah. like your top homegrown baby face look like a complete fucking idiot yeah. and a coward and for what for what point it, it does it's not leading to a match you're not making any money for for yourself or hangman or for the company mm-hmm. i think i think a lot of these guys just are like to test the limits especially someone like cm punk like to mm-hmm. test the limits of how far they can go with tony khan because he has not proven himself to be someone with a spine for the most part and he lets the he i want all the wrestlers to like me no tony you you need to have a fucking company that's profitable and sometimes you need to bring the hammer down on people yeah like, I, I'm all for workers' rights. I'm all for workers' rights and like wrestlers having more like a, a say in how their careers go and their characters go. But there comes a point where like they don't know what's what's best for them. Yeah. And sometimes you need a, an outside party, namely the promoter, to tell them, you know, this is bullshit. What you're doing right now, and you need to like rein it in and like work with the person that you hate, so you can actually make some fucking bo- money you think giant bob would ever let this shit happen yeah, that's, no that's, fucking no fucking way he's the first bloke who comes to mind i mean ironically with him he was also not great at confrontation so he just let the wife deal with it like makoto <laughs> babu is just yeah. the one who had to deal with this shit but when, when baba said Yates, like this is it. bullshit you guys are gonna you know work yeah. it out or you're not gonna like ruin my fucking company they they listen that's what i think tony's yeah. gotta make an example out of somebody Right, I, I don't know even so what this MJF thing is. That is that a schwark? Is that a shoot that turned into a work? Or is that a work that turned so. into a shoot? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? What will be proof in the pudding is if, like, you know, like say, like out of this, Punk turns completely heel. Yeah, Punk forms a a fucking faction with other disgruntled people in AEW, like maybe MJF or maybe the you know the FTR, you know, like who like then I'll know it's 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 turned into a work. Yeah. It's definitely work by that point right but is it a shoot who knows but like it's it's cm punk being cm punk right yeah. like anyone who thinks that you can enjoy I, hey i like punk work mm-hmm. i he's one of my favorite personalities in the last 20 years but do i think he's a nice human being yeah pr- probably to his really close friends but to the average to you and me he looks at us as marks yeah that's what he thinks mm-hmm. of us right this is and he doesn't he doesn't give a shit about any of any of us like a fan's whether we do podcasts or not or whatever, he, he doesn't like any of us. He got into wrestling to like help himself to make his life better. And he loved wrestling. And and fair enough. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't so ascribe uh, like fucking like humanitarian, you know, motivations on anyone in the fucking wrestling business because they generally don't exist. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like CM Punk is a person who looks out for CM Punk first and foremost. Yeah. Right. And that's it. And like, you just have to look at what he did to Cabana during the trial, the the defamation trial. He fucked. Like, I don't, I don't care how big a fan of CM Punk you are. You cannot look at that situation and think he did not fuck over 
Coke Cabana. Totally. By, totally. by saying, you're on your own. I'm not paying for your legal fees. In fact, you have to pay. I'm going to sue you for the money I gave you because I said shit on your podcast. That you, you know, that is totally a fucking CM Punk bullshit move. I am like, you know, I'm who you describe. I'm the, you know, the big CM Punk fan. I love CM Punk. I've always loved CM Punk. I've witnessed in real life him being complete cunt to people who would have been my friends at the time, you know? I, I, I know what he is. I like, there's a part of me that kind of likes the, you know, causing drama, spiky side of, of CM Punk. Like, but the thing about CM Punk, like, I always say this, he's like, for me, he's probably, like, if I had to use the word and I wouldn't use the word lightly, he's probably one of my heroes. Do I actually want to hang out with him? No, no, because he'd be on, he'd be a cunt to me. We wouldn't get on. We'd have nothing to talk about, you know. He'd be, you know, I'd, I'd let him hang out with like my punk mates who are into all the same music he is. Maybe I'd bring them and have them as like a shield. But I wouldn't want to hang out with him. I'm a fan of him as a wrestler. This is like, I know this is crazy to like you know people these days, but you know, not not every wrestler you like needs to be uh, you know your best friends at the merch table or you know yeah. you're not looking to uh, develop a lifelong connection with. You might just be a fan of their work, and that's always the line in the sand i've always had with punk this like you both said this isn't new he was like this you know in the mid 2000s with roh he was like this in wwe he was often right but he also had lots of problems in wwe because of the spiky side of his personality but you know with all that said as much as i kind of enjoy that and you know loving you know eating up every little detail that comes out of this story you know it's it's like crack to me i love this stuff i love this backstage drama but he is walking a dangerous line, I will say, you know, because like mm-hmm. you both said there about like Cole Cabana, like and Hangman, like in this in this scenario, you've nailed it. The beach Punk is actually in the wrong, entirely in the wrong, and yeah. I think he's maybe not completely in tune with the world that we are in now. You know, as much as I make fun of like merch culture and uh, you know all all of that stuff, it is a different fan base now. And I think he's actually got to be careful because you look at the Cole Cabana stuff, yeah, you know, I'm sure from Punk's with you, oh, he tried to sue me, and it's like, yeah, but, like, you know, you also were the one that mm. got you both in trouble, and then you offered to pay his legal fees, and then you didn't pay his legal fees, so I think you're actually kind of the dick here, and then if you believe reporting, you know, you're mad at him because he took a trial with WWE, and then, you know, you went and did that WWE backstage thing, so I don't know if that's a really, you know, reasonable <laughs> hell to die on. Yeah. He's entirely in the wrong in that situation. If Cole Cabana... <laughs> genuinely and it seems to be the case was you know booted off AWTV to go and do ROH which you know Will will always say isn't the worst you know place in the world to be it's not like it's death sentence but it's still you know it's still pretty bad that Tony Khan has been like oh well you know Punk's come in he's a bigger star he's gonna make me untold millions so fuck you Cole Cabana I'll send you to ROH I'm not even saying that's not a decision I'd make too but like from a moral point of view it is kind of shitty and Punk is in the wrong, and if Tony Khan has sided with Punk in that, he's probably in the wrong too. And then you add in, like you both said, the Punk in this promo, completely unrelated to the storyline, is trying yeah. to you know punk out Hangman Page. And we all know this now. We're all seeing this story now. Punk is working a really dangerous line as as far as like you know this more modern in tune fan base who maybe do care a little bit more about you know whether human beings are good or bad maybe aren't as hard-nosed as as us lot i think you know it's a dangerous line to walk as far as turning people off and i think turning people on him especially you know a couple of weeks out of him supposedly in the being the big baby face in his uh you know his hometown are, uh, are all out if he is still in that title match coming up uh you know i think it's uh it's kind of it's, it's worrying from that point of view and also 
yeah, from a KFA point of view, makes no sense either because we're all distracted by this. We're all thinking about this. We're all thinking of, you know, CM Punk as this real life heel rather than actually thinking of the actual match, you know, with him and Moxley coming up, which is mm. what we should all be concentrating on. We all should be building on. So, like I say, as much as uh, I'm kind of conflicted on it, as much as I can enjoy it from a point of view of this is great backstage gossip in wrestling and, oh, isn't it like an exciting news cycle? Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of things there that I can't really defend with uh, Punk. It's messy because it kind of also affects how I feel about the All Out show. Because like I say, when I was watching it, like, and I didn't know any of like, you know, what was specifically said in the promo until I actually saw them. I was like, well, this is weird. Hangman's not come out. This doesn't make him look great. Like it just felt so, so odd to me. And then you think of, um, you know, just into then the, the promotion of the Moxie match, but it has kind of completely overshadowed it. Um, and then overshadowed, well, what are they going to do all out? Because whatever it is they do for it as a result, unless they're doing some sort of cage stip, which is weird that they're rushing into that kind of situation as well. It doesn't suggest that like there's a proper strategy or, or any kind of thinking to it. I think Tony Khan's inclination is to think, well, I'll tell you what, why don't they go and say what they think out there? Because it creates this bit of needle. And it's like, that's when you go down the WCW path. That's when you get into the accusation of working, working the workers and that type of stuff, and 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 that whole fucking rigmarole, which is just like sort of a template of like more Russo era bookings. But it's it's just all very very weird. And like I said, like one of the things about this episode of Dynamite as as, as an episode of television, I thought like it it was, I thought it was great. I thought there was some like really good stuff, and it wasn't all absolutely perfect, but it was like. What definitely up there is one of the one of the better episodes of of Dynamite, but we're coming out talking about kind of CM Punk as this, and is that part of me? Then this will already filter through the next week. So will he start being booed? Because obviously he's in Cleveland, and Moxley's from Cincinnati, isn't he? So there's going to be this kind of Ohio fan base. That fan base is also going to be, you know, it's a it's an online fan base. They're going to know about this, so you know it will filter through into the reaction and then that can change things in the runner up to all out. So it's just a, it's just kind of like, it's, it just suggests the kind of greater mess that's going on with AEW. And, and, you know, I refer back to the episode, the, the, the patron show we did and we spoke about like the half year review and, and where it is at the minute. It just follows the theme of lots of 2022 for AEW where it's a, it's a different, it's the, you know, what's the phrase they use for, Oh, like you say it for uh, no it's like um, it's like the troublesome threes or whatever it is they say for like you know when your kids turn three years yeah no but when your kids turn three they basically turn into a fucking nightmare terrible twos terrible twos you mean twos from personal experience it wasn't so bad they didn't (laughs) do that much shit three is when they kind of went off the rails and I was like oh fuck this I'm getting woke up at silly o'clock for nonsense and stuff like that. So I like, there's nothing of bitterness about when my lads were three. So, but that's the stage of this company's in at the moment where they've had this two years, they've had this goodwill, and now things are kind of getting frayed. And you've got a WWE with, you know, a different kind of outlook, which then becomes a more attractive destination for, for some of the wrestlers who realize they've got that bit of leverage. So, I think it's it it creates that kind of backstage drama that we like, but that's not something that's good, not necessarily good for the, the company. Of us. 
for it, you know. It's entertaining point three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, but but then at the same time, you're up this dynamite this week. I know you know we make you do your homework, WH, when you when you're coming here. You you watch AEW and I watch uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro. That's the uh, that's the deal. Unfortunately, I constantly <laughs> renege on that deal. But you know, as far as yeah. episodes of Dynamite, we'd force you to watch. This was actually a fucking great episode of TV. That was great. Really great wrestling on there. Yeah, and I'd, like that. I mm. I I love the the Garcia Danielson match, mm. and it was it was like I have very little patience for long matches these days, and it was a two out of three falls. But I was I was engrossed just because the work was so tight. And it told a great story between the two. And I liked the post-match afterwards as well. I thought that was really great. Um, and then, you know, I have thoughts about the main event, but we'll get to that when, when you lead us to there. Can I just say one more thing about the punk thing? Is like, mm. you talk about him alienating the fans. Like, he's, he's also running the risk of alienating people that he works with in that yeah. locker room. Because, like, I, I think Colt Cabana probably has a lot of friends mm. in that locker room that are more friends of him than they are of punk. And also like the way he's behaving towards like, yeah, Adam page is not going to make, make him more mm-hmm. popular in that locker room. I mean, if he wants to be the next triple H, he wants to be the next Hulk Hogan in, in that sense, like of just doing things for yourself, going to business for yourself and, and fuck everyone else. Then the people are, you know, going to talk about him in the same tones that they talk about triple H back in, yeah. back in the two thousands and to talk about Hulk Hogan, since fucking day one right so i don't know if he wants to have that as a legacy but maybe he doesn't care because he, he's got his fucking millions so there you go that's it you don't want you don't that's the part you don't want to hear that i'm not losing to you brother type culture you know sleeping in that is mm. no definitely like a, a massive negative for him but i was gonna say like about the, the show itself like i do think with all that said about you know now that we know more about the handman bit it does kind of poison the well a little bit as far as like the first few minutes of of, of that segment but the rest of it like maybe that that tinge of reality type of thing that that fire like it did it felt big time like that segment on dynamite it's like punk and moxley two big main event main eventers being out there just talking shit to each other and just uh, firing off bombs and, you know, feeling completely unscripted, you know, talking over each other at points and, you know, Punk talking over Moxley's entrance and stuff like that. It was almost imperfect in a lot of ways, but that kind of added to it too. I mean, we could talk about where it's all going, but as far as like a a standalone, you know, fiery segment, I thought they absolutely killed it. Like it was one of the best dynamite segments you know of the year and that's that is going to happen you know you get two big main eventers you know in the ring together who do feel like big stars who do feel like they you know they both uh you know believe in themselves and uh, believe in in what they're saying at least for the most part you do create that magic and yeah i thought wh it was an absolutely magic opening se- segment for the dynamite overall yeah i mean i was excited because like oh fuck this is the main i'm gonna see this live I gotta see this main event live. <laughs> oh, shit, you're going. I, I, I don't know. Like, what are they? They're not, what, what are they going to replace it with if they do actually do this match in on on like on Wednesday? Like, I, I, I can see the dynamite match like not even happening. Like, just becoming a schmoz of some sort, and then they, they they're still going to have the match at the pay per view. That's at least that's what I'm hoping for. Like, I, I, I don't see what I would be yeah. happy with if it's not Mox versus Punk for the title I, I at, at all out. Because it's like, you know, people will say this, like, and I get it, you know, we're all, in theory, we're all getting the match we want to see on free TV, what's to complain about? It's still going to be great, you're getting it sooner than, than you thought you were getting, you're not having to pay for it, blah, 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 but it's like, yes, there are positives to that, 
yes, with the strength of this segment and Diamondite overall, I want to be patient. I want to see where this goes and, and what they do. But like, I do think it's wrong to go entirely the other way and say there's no negative. Like, of course there are negatives to do in this on TV. The positive, of course, I think it's is a negative. That, yeah, well, yeah, for, you, for the likes of yourself, it's a negative, you know. But you might, you know, from from a TV point of view, and you know, TV negotiations coming up, you want to pop that number. You can understand the business reason why you might want to do it on TV, but that doesn't mm. mean you're not losing things by 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 not waiting for the because you know there's a gravitas and an importance to. You know, this match being on pay-per-view and, you know, as great and as incredible as that segment was with Moxley and Punk, I kind of want two more weeks of that. You know, I want more of that. Build yeah. give me more. Yep. Make me make me really want the match, you know, as a big as a big moment on a pay-per-view. And there's just the general structural thing of, like, a match on a pay-per-view is naturally going to get more time and space and, like I say, going to feel more important if it's coming at the end of a four-hour premium pay-per-view product. Than it, than it is on TV. However good the match probably still will be on TV. It's not completely a wash. It's still cool we're going to see this match next week. But I really do push back against that argument that like, oh, well, you know, what are you complaining about? You know, you get a match on TV, there's, there's no negative. There are, there are definitely negatives there. We get four AEW pay-per-views a year. Yeah? And we're going to not have what was the expected main event change two weeks before one of them and what are they going to put on that's going to be better because if it's a rematch of this match well you've already seen the first one yeah so and this like, isn't a blood feud this is an mjf punk I, where you can build more heat and get to yeah. that this is big because it's the title unification because it's these two yeah. big stars coming together in these unique circumstances exactly and it's one. not a confrontation that we've seen in AEW. and as rian mentions in the chat like it does make moxley feel like more of an afterthought in this which for two weeks if you had the play of no we're doing this on the pay-per-view we're doing this kind of properly you can have him kind of build his case that it's not your fucking drama and all the rest of it i don't want to know about it i'm here to kind of wrestle because that's what i do best um like that would have just felt more it's more fulfilling it's the reason why you know you don't you know within shows and whatnot you want to build to stuff i always come back to the idea of dynamite being a television show like you know you need to build to moments for them to kind of mean more but also for the greater good of the company if you're using your world tile to hot shot ratings like that's just i don't think that's a good place to be in because if you're booking properly you don't need to see a world title match like every single week or being rushed onto it you could then, you would then, like you said, two more weeks of these, of this, these kind of confrontations. Sign me up. Absolutely happy with that. And I won't lie, it just, seeing this announcement kind of completely took me out of like the main event. I was like, what? It's just like, it really took me out. And, you know, WH, you're going. So, like, what can they possibly put on in this position? And you hear the suggestions like MJF and whatnot. It's just like, oh, man, like, no, I it's, it- I, I don't know what they could put on here to, uh, yeah. to like make triple up triple threat with Adam Page. Is that oh, a bigger well. match? Really? Well, well, it'd be better than triple threat with fucking Adam Cole. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's why I think like, like on Wednesday, it's, it, it's not, it's not, they're not going to have the match. Something's going to happen where they don't have the match and they deliver something else, which you can do on free TV. And then they're going to actually have the match on, on all out. And this is kind of, you know, this is part of the build towards all out for those last minute maybe pay-per-view buys 
Um, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me from, from a wrestling point, from a wrestling fan point. It's like, you want people to pay extra money yeah. to watch your product. You already have the built-in audience for Dynamite. People are going to watch it regardless you know like i don't i don't know how much more people you're going to get to watch dynamite they don't already watch it if you if you put punk versus mox on there what you're going to get all these stray hardcore wwe fans coming to watch it on wednesday for for that one match i i I don't know i don't think so personally but you have to you have to make pay-per-views enticing for what do you what do you what do you pay for pay-per-view these days i don't know i don't i never pay for anything like you know like these i either go to someone's house to watch it Tell me, like fifty, sixty dollars sometimes. Sixty dollars in the stu- in, in the US. Yeah, Canada. like that, that's the thing as well. Because it's like I think it's easy to make the counter argument of well, you know, TV is king. You know, the TV rights, and I've I've seen that point made well by a lot of people. The TV rights make them more money than the pay per views do. You know, in, in the tens of millions. But the count that is true and is something that should be considered. But I think the counterpoint I'll make to that is there is no individual episode of TV. That makes makes the same amount of money that an individual pay per view would, you know. I don't think it's as yeah. black and white as that. I think ab- absolutely overall in the grand scheme of things, you know, if they come away with you know, hundred hundreds of millions of dollars for like the TV deal going forward, then that is an overall net positive. But they do make a lot of money off these these individual pay per views, and they only you know, a singular episode of Dynamite, you know, as consumed as, as part as the whole lot, yeah, is part of that package, but. It's not quite the same as, yeah, you know, trying to... You know, there's a reason the pay-per-views still exist. They still need to have that importance and for for that revenue to come in. It's it's still not pennies. It might not be, you know, the extent of what a, what a, what a TV renewal might be or what, you know, somebody else might come in if you, if you, you know, are doing good ratings, you know, over the course of, of a year. But it's still big money, you know, and it's still obviously important because they still do, you know, four of the fuckers or five of the fuckers going forward. It's not like you can, you can completely write it off, which I think is when people go too far the other way. Yeah. Yeah. That is, sorry, I've got nothing else to add on to that. (laughs) (laughs) But good segment though, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good segment. Mm. It's it's nice when you have two people who can cut promos, be unscripted for the most part and, and just cut a promo. It's it's refreshing compared to like you know Drew McIntyre saying wrestlers and wrestling on TV. <laughs> Fucking like when people were like, oh deal, God, this, this was deal. this was fire." It's Drew McIntyre. Nothing well, he does is fire. If I can add to this, because it was my birthday, um, and I'm just throwing this into the show. I was going to mention this earlier on. I did get a wrestling themed present this year. Oh, and ended up with this. <laughs> this is Drew McIntyre. <laughs> autobiography here a chosen destiny of which i read none um it came in it was my girlfriend's mum who just did the usual oh he likes wrestling i'll buy the first thing on there um the first chapter here is called come on man don't arrest me i've got to get home and watch wrestlemania so like <laughs> it's, it's 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 it sounds awesome on that will i be reading it i don't know i might do it'll just become a running running gag on it but i had to mention wow. it as you mentioned <laughs> drew drew galloway if you run out of like heating in your apartment this winter, JP, at least you got some kindling there. <laughs> kindling, yeah. Well, cost of living crisis, mate. I tell you what, we're not far off anyway. Although burning books is never something that sits particularly well with me, generally. Well, you just think of it as burning a big pile of shit, you know, instead yeah, of burning true. a book. Yeah, so it's Drew McIntyre. Who cares? Burning, burning pulp for it. But 
I mean, that was the whole thing I loved about that. Like you mentioned, it felt like main eventers doing main event stuff. Yeah. Professional main eventers doing professional main event talking segment stuff. <laughs> it really was. Well, you give me a dynamite that, that leads out with a you know a big yeah. promo segment and bleeds in to a great you know where where you know this is a this is something you're getting on WWE TV. As much as I will say, there are better matches on WWE TV right now. You're still not getting a much, match as good as what what Dynamite gave us in in this first hour. And as far as like giving them time as well, Danielson and, and Garcia, it was great to see mm-hmm. in the ratings that you know while there was a slight dip in the middle overall, you know the viewership rose through this match, which is a, a pattern we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, with AEW. I don't think that's a license to every week have a, you know, 30-minute match or whatever, and I wouldn't want, good God, I would not want WWE to, to be doing that either. But as far as, like, when the right circumstances come up, as far as, you know, being willing to do this and willing to, you know, go through, you know, multiple commercial breaks with a with a big match, which they did, which was maybe a slight negative for the, uh, the US viewers. Like, I love that this did well, and yeah, you know, you get a world-class promo segment to open the show, and then you get a world class match to follow as well in Danielson and Garcia. Like like I said before, WH, this was this was a good show for us to uh, to get you on to uh, to make you watch because I could could definitely feel this would be a, a a match that you'd enjoy. Oh yeah, I loved it. Also, I just feel like there's this nice progression with Daniel Garcia up the card every time he comes out. Yeah. He's a good promo. He's an amazing wrestler. I think there's money in him having like a long term. You know, rivalry with Lethal Yuta that the pure match from the ROH show was really good. Um, I like their whole. Oh, I know. You lost WH? Oh, no, you're I think he's his... oh. muted. Oh, he's oh. gone. You enjoyed Something, the match, Something's <laughs> happening. I did. I did. I really enjoyed the match. And I think it is like, like you say, it's not a license to go 40 odd minutes for this. What was the match? What was the running time of this? Cause it felt like it was like with entrances and everything else. It was like close to that kind of 40 minute mark. But mm. the, the story of Garcia, and this is from something that WH has, was, was kind of saying there as well. I was reading a really interesting thread about it in terms of Garcia, the idea that he feels like within storyline, he's like rejected by Blackpool Combat Club, who go for Wheelie Uta first ahead of him. He views Uta as his kind of natural rival, which always like nicely builds that one-hour draw, which isn't part of AEW canon, but kind of is, in the way that some indie wrestling can kind of ends up being that way in, in AEW. And the fact that he's got rejected, it makes sense. Like, the version of Daniel Garcia that we're getting here, like... It's, you know, and I'm not necessarily mad about like kind of, I, I don't think he's leaving Jericho Appreciation Society next, but this is all good for him. And it is feeling more and more like he belongs. And in terms of the quality of the wrestling, again, another wrestler like Wheelie Utah, which this shows how good they are. They've adapted to American TV wrestling like really well on, on here as well. And like, while I kind of think that post-match stuff would be stuff that I kind of almost want to see on a pay-per-view to again give it that kind of gravitas, like it, you know, I could just see him going in there and interfering on behalf of Jericho in order to help Jericho beat Danielson, which is not the result that should be happening at all. But or whether or not it's or it, does it get kind of like backfired there? But I mean. I thought they didn't do the generic. Oh, you know. Oh, maybe, maybe I do respect Brian after all stuff, and then, you know, swear mm. him and Jericho beat the shit out of Brian regardless. I appreciated that, like 
we didn't get that there. It gave you know, yeah, some some hope if if you do want him to you mm. know, to fully turn, or maybe yeah, it will just turn out that he, he sides with with Jericho, you know, after all. But it showed a bit, maybe you know, a degree of patience um, that you might uh, might get with the story. But we got WH back. Sorry, WH. I think JP yeah, sorry. your thought for you there, but uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I, I had to put in my order for a takeout with my brother, so <laughs> uh, that's very important. What we have him. Uh, a patsu from Thai Express, so ah, nice. with shrimp. So I'll uh, maybe take a picture here and send it to you, fellas. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put on <laughs> my Instagram. But yeah, no, like I'm, I'm hoping there's a, there's a, you know, finally we're gonna, like I would love to see Lee Moriarty start getting the same kind of push mm-hmm. as as Yuda and, and Garcia because I think that's really where the future lies. For me, with this company, like I'm far more interested in them than I am like your Sammy Guevara's or your Jungle Boys. I think like Garcia as a as a wrestler and as a as a promo is like light years ahead of Jungle Boy, who you know I think in the early days they pegged their hopes on him a lot because they they didn't know they were going to get someone like Daniel Garcia, Dirk Garcia, or Wheeler Yuta into the company. But you know I'm I'm not a huge fan of the current incarnation of, of Jungle Boy. Like to me, it's like lose a hair hair versus hair match or whatever to someone cut get that haircut change your gear get a new gimmick and maybe i'll uh become a better promo and maybe i think there's more hope in you but like him and Guevara, i don't i don't they don't do really do much for me in their current incarnations but like garcia holy shit i think the the future is so wide open for him and same thing with like wheel yuda I want to see more development of Wheeler Yuta. I do think Garcia has, because of his association with Jericho, has had more opportunities to develop more as a character, which you need on American television. He's very much, I think it's the positioning within stables and this kind of, you know, I didn't think I'd be going back to kind of classical Japan, but you thought of stables as like the definitive, if you had the definitive number one, then he had who was the definitive number two in the stable, three, four, and so on. It feels like Garcia is at a number two level within Jericho Appreciation Society, even though it doesn't have the kind of strength in numbers. Whereas Uta is very much like a number, he's number four within yeah. Blackpool Combat Club. So there is that that idea where it's kind of slightly misaligned. So it feels like Garcia is getting involved. And for all of the talk of the kind of, it's it's so, you know, Darby Allen doesn't feel like somebody who's, who's you know, the other pillars in the company. He was like MJF, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, I'm forgetting who the other one was, even Britt Baker, doesn't feel like they're kind of real stable parts of uh, the cut or in like the prominent positions within the company. Whereas Garcia is like, if you know, Rian mentions there in the chat, and I don't know if it'd make storyline sense to do Claudio versus Garcia, given that he lost the pure championship match against Wheeler U of him to be them in challenging for the world title. Hell of a match, though. It's a match I'd definitely love to see. They could find a way there, maybe. Um, yeah. No, I, I think overall it was just, a, you know, it was a positive as far as giving Garcia yeah. time, positive as far as, you know, getting a hard-hitting, you know, violent-feeling pro-wrestling match on free TV. And, you know, Brian went out of his way to make Garcia, you know, give giving him, you know, that, that big first fall, giving him plenty in the match, giving him the respect after the match. And then I felt like the crowd kind of made, you know, that post-match angle as well, you know, getting that, mm. well, that was 
perfect you know getting the uh the crowd chanting you know you're a wrestler adam you know it does pays off you know like, like i've said a million times wasn't a fan of the uh the kangol hat and the i'm a sports entertainer stuff from daniel got you doubt the kangol hat mate <laughs> i guess you know yeah well yeah it has uh, overall has brought uh you know a stronger element of, of personality out of him you know doing Maybe not so much the sports entertainment stuff, but I loved as you know being the big heel on that that last ROH review. I felt like he held mm. that pay per view together as far as a character goes, and it's given him loads to the point where, as much as it would make, you know, it would make aesthetic sense at this point for him to be in the Blackpool Combat Club, it probably doesn't benefit him to be in the Blackpool Combat Club at this point. I don't think it benefits anyone really. I think it's always Blackpool Combat Club's like a good idea on paper. But then you end up with, like, you know, why is Regal cutting, like, Brian and Moxley's promos for them? Why is, like, you know, they're, they're kind of like, yes, you've got this connect collection of shooters, but surely we want to see them wrestle each other rather than, you know, yeah. wrestle random members of the roster. Yeah. So at this point, begrudgingly, I've got to kind of say, you know, I think he's better on the outside and maybe not necessarily with Jericho long term, maybe not necessarily as the quote unquote sports entertainer, but he probably should be the anti Blackpool combat club side i think it actually probably is yeah. a, a more rewarding story and a better position for him if he you know does continue to be you know a heel going forward if we do kind of explore more that personality of it that that he that he showed so much on that rh he, pay-per-view and he has shown you know on these tvs over the last few weeks i also think as what you mentioned about his personality i thought the interest the thing i could see in the sit down talks i know some people are slightly not as positive on it as I was when they did with Wheeler in the build to the Utah versus Garcia match for the ring of honor pay-per-view. I, you could see the like, cause they mentioned about the car crash and how he's come back from it. It was that way where you could start to see, um, Wheeler Utah being kind of a dick to Garcia and Garcia kind of like sitting there kind of taking it when mentioning about some of this stuff. And I think you're going to, it feels like those two, you would imagine in long-term wrestling storylines, you should always have those two entwined with each other, you know, changing the dynamic from which one is heel and which one is face. And at some point you'll have them team as well. Like there's lots and lots of stuff you can, you can really get through that. But you mentioned about Blackpool combat club. My issue is with them say like, they never do the thing, which is all right, we're willing, we want to take on everyone. So I'm going to take on you, even though you're my mate, they never, I thought we haven't had a lot of that. And I, I thought Wheeler Utah was going to step up to face Cesaro. I thought that's where that was going. Yeah. Which would have made complete sense. You probably would have loved it because it an title for Titan and they would have killed the pure Titan. He'd be like, thank God. <laughs> Just wishing. One less title, though, in fairness, which I'm not going to complain about. Not a problem with this I think Danielson should leave the Blackpool Combat Club. I don't think he yeah. fits in there. It seems like he's such an afterthought because Moxley is the, the, the interim champion and Claudio has the ROH title and even Will Yuta's got the pure title. The like whereas mm-hmm. Danielson doesn't really I don't think he fits the aesthetics anymore of that group. Um if, if because Moxley seems like he's the leader of the group. And so yeah. like I would love to see Danielson like and Garcia both leave their respective units and just form a tag team with one another where he's his mentor. But they tag with each other, and like hell, if you want to give them a tag team title run, and they fight like fucking FTR and like all the other tag teams in the company, I I'd be all for that because I think you probably get some really great magic from those two as a tag mm. team, especially in a company like as as tag team rich as AEW is. Uh-huh. I'd take that. 
Well, speaking of tag teams, the other big match on the show, because I'm th- sure you're dying to talk about it. Um, WH, I say tag teams, trios teams, um, was the main event and the uh, and the big return of uh, yours and my favourite wrestler, uh, WH, uh, Kenny Omega, back in uh, back in AEW doing an uh, "Oh, I'm so hurt" um, story, which I, I can't I can't believe there's people out there, you know, buying this. You know, it's like you know, it's clear it's clear as day. You know, he, he you know he's gonna he's gonna start one by one. He's gonna be taken off like the bionic top yeah. and like the the thing that's keeping together his shoulder and the thing that's keeping his uh, his elbow one piece you know the the tell of the story there you know whether whether you think that's the, the best way to uh, to bring omega back is is maybe a uh, another conversation but that's the that's the way they went with they went with the uh, the big uh, quote unquote surprise as far as him being the uh, the third man um on this team with the young bucks and then yeah they went out there and had you know the main event of uh, of this dynamite, which I think is an, an overall and uh, quite well received. Very uh, some very confusing post match scenes, uh, I've got to say, which we can uh, we can talk about as well. But I thought it was maybe it wasn't the uh, the five star match maybe advertised. Maybe uh, you know maybe part of that is the uh, the story that they're uh, the town McKenney part. Maybe part of that is some some real life uh, roster as well. But I thought it was you know as far as a, a TV main event goes, a, a very good uh, TV main event, and maybe slightly on the lower side than uh, than some other people at the uh, 3.75 mark but I've certainly pe- seen people go four star and up uh, what did you make of it AWH were you glad to see uh, you make Ken Chan back in the uh, back in the mix in AEW I, I don't know what Tori they're telling if, if the idea is to bring make his big return and he looks like complete fucking shit like that compression <laughs> shirt like, wh- I was like what the fuck is he wearing no seriously like I was like why is he wearing a top he looks like shit like it doesn't it does not look good i don't i don't care what story you're telling just have him be like i'm fucking i'm back i I, i'm healed a hundred percent but no he's gotta wear the fucking shoulder strap he's gotta wear his fucking long sleeve shirt it's a compression shirt i don't know what the fuck that is like i just know it looks like shit on him like he, he 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 doesn't look like a star he didn't look like a star in that match he looked like some fucking guy in a fucking t-shirt he looked like he should be wrestling for fucking GCW or some <laughs> shit, you know. Uh, and and again, like the, yeah, the match is fine. It's not my cup of tea. Like there's too many like cutesy moves, and it felt like a PWG, you know, a comedy tag match. Probably because that's where they you know started all this shit. Anyways, like it was fine. Like I don't I don't think it was terrible, but it's like it's not on a t- trios level. With for me, it was like you know, it's not like it's a Dragon Gate trios match or something I would see in like all Japan in the '90s or anything like that. But it's fine for what it was. But I thought it was really weird that that you know afterwards, Roosh turns on his own brother <laughs> because why? Because he took the pinfall. Okay, like is he is, is Dragon yeah. Lee is yeah. Dragon Lee a contracted AEW wrestler now? Maybe we'll be going forward. We had to do an angle with him, though. You want to? I, I heard Tom yeah. Martin say that yeah. like he did immediately stand out to me that he did this on the same show that like Billy Gunn's sons turned on him too. Like that's so typical AEW. Yeah. You know, they get one idea, why not do it three times? You know. Also on the same show where Daniel Garcia was threatening to uh, to turn against his own uh, mentor, but what are you gonna do? But yeah, I, I I don't really understand. You know, in a show that was close for me personally, close to perfect at that point. Did you really need to cram that extra angle in at the end with? this dragon league character who is entirely new to the show and you know we don't know the extent of how much he's actually coming. that's rampage shit yeah should have done that on rampage Mm. like as a follow-up just Mm. do a segment out there for whatever reason unless they're writing dragon lee out and he was only in there for a couple of dates and he's off to new japan because that's always the place that he talks about 
sort of wanting to be. Um, it's weird. You think of the buzz he used to have a couple of years ago. Mm. And in this faction, he's very much the afterthought. Like, in it's, it's, it's kind of wild because there was a point in time when he's still really young, isn't he? He's like 26, 27. But um, yeah, I'm like uh, you. So I'm like you guys in terms of the match. It was it was fun for what it was. I, my immediate thought is when I saw Kenny come back, I went, oh, he's back in silly bollocks mode. Isn't he? It's like, you know, it was the slip, it was the slip banana, you know, it was slipping on the banana and the rest of it. Oh, I botched that. And I'm like, intro so shit. Like, I know, I know we're European, so we're not going to get the joke, but it's so fucking lame. Like, it's it's, like, it's not funny. Like, once someone explained the joke to me, it's not, why are they still doing it? I don't get it. But, you know, it's just, yeah. That, that, Kenny, you, you said earlier, WH, you know, there's some wrestlers who need to be protected from themselves. He's top of that list as yeah. far as like being in charge oh. of making any creative decision to do with how he's presented. On Perennial team. number one on that list. Yeah. Yeah. He shouldn't I mean, be allowed he, to he, kind of book himself. I mean, look at his origins. It's mm. it's like where he developed was, was really DDT. And like he tried to bring that stuff into New Japan and it failed miserably. Like, and, and then he thought, okay, there'll be they won't let me do it. So I'm leaving here. I'm going to go to AEW. And th- th- it's an American wrestling company. They're totally going to let me do my comedy DDT bullshit here. And I, I think, you know, to some extent, it- it's fine there. But to another extent, it's like, okay, you've taken it too far. <laughs> you have taken it too far. I don't, like, here's the thing. I've never been into BTE. I, I like, if AW is a company that I, I will follow more closely in the future, if, if it's BTE, fuck that. I'm not watching that because that, that's garbage to me. Like if it's Garcia, Danielson, Mox, Punk, shit like that, that's all. I'm I'm totally fine with that. If it's Kenny being fucking Kenny, no, I'm sorry. There's a reason I hated that shit in New Japan. There's a reason why I was very like not interested in following AEW at the, at, at the onset because I'm like I don't want to see fucking Kenny being Kenny. Like if he's if he's wrestling. I'm fine with him wrestling if he's not just being a fucking idiot, but like, unfortunately he likes being a fucking idiot. So yeah. it didn't take much for him to come. I mean, like if you think of it, you're like, okay, this is a guy who, you know, him versus punk is the kind of match that you'd like to see them kind of teasing to, you know, there are things at the top of the card involving Kenny Omega. Instead, he's back slipping on a banana peel while wearing a T-shirt and other stuff that he's going to lose every week to win a trios tournament that I could give less of a shit about. Like, that's where where I kind of stand. I I am not fucking (laughs) it. We'll get some flippy stuff that'll involve House of Black. Whoop-de-fucking-do. I've seen that a load of weeks already just without the title belt. Like, that's how I feel about it. I'm 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 just not in on it. A a once-a-year trios tournament? Go buck wild. Like fucking do that. This sort of stuff. I like. I'm. I'm just so hope. Like, just in, indifferent to that tournament at best, and then just realizing, yeah, it's it's going to be a load of this kind of stuff. I then even watched the one on Rampage, which involved the Trustbusters. I was going to say Trustbusters sum that tournament up. To be honest, if you if you're not high yeah. on trio matches, that won't help that match um, and that but presentation you, in you, general. You mentioned the turn. I will say. I know this this gun club acclaimed stuff. Like <laughs> I really enjoyed the fact that Billy Gunn is with oh, the acclaimed. Just like, uh, did you? Because I'm, I'm definitely. When he said more... "scissor me, daddy ass," I started laughing. Like <laughs> it is uh, funny. maybe I'm in the wrong. No, like it I is want, funny. I want to say, like I am 
clearly you know more positive than you guys on that main event and overall i i honestly thought this was the best anime to be here my one negative you know as far as like outright hated something on the show was that because i just don't think anyone believes it like really like some sons turned on the dad over and over nothing like and did a wrestling oh, beatdown and the payoff is a billy gun match on a dynamite in the year 2022 like that's the one thing on the show i could do without i would rather you can carry on doing the scissor me daddy ass stuff but i'd rather just kept them all together and the acclaimed and gun club was still yeah. doing that bullshit on rampage i'd rather that than trying to do, like tell me that like there's a real feud happening here between you know two lads and their dad like i just didn't buy it Neither did I. I still fucking enjoyed the hell out of it, though. Because I just laughed at that line. Yeah. And I laugh at the acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm kind of... If it means... But like like you, if when they had them all together, I was like, there's the germ of, like, a really good... Like, it just felt they ended it all so quickly. And they've gone from them all turning on the acclaimed to now him being with the acclaimed. But unfortunately, the heart wants what the heart wants, Benno. And I got a scissor me daddy ass, and that's what I was looking for. So, you know, <laughs> who am I to complain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shameful at my age. Shameful behavior. Uh, any thoughts on anything else on Dynamite before we move on? We have got two other big topics. I was going to just say quickly for me, Christian Cage and Jungle Boy continues to be a compelling feud. They're peaking that at the right time. I think that, yeah. that match being on the pay-per-view will be... Uh, Will be great, and I thought Tony Storm and, and Kyle and King had a, had a, you know, for the slot. Considering it was you know that death, uh, death slot on the show, they often put the women's division. I thought they had a, you know a, an above average match is probably as nice as that be, but I thought it was a a stronger, strong enough match to to add mm. to the other uh, real high quality uh, stuff we had on the show. Uh, no, I skipped uh, pretty much all that stuff just to save myself some time to, to come <laughs> on with you lads, and uh, but yeah, it's like. Yeah, claimed gun gun club. I I don't I don't get the gun club at all. They're just there yeah. because their dad's Billy Gunn, right? Yeah, that's the only reason they're there. And yeah. why 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 do you have a manager who's like bigger than ninety percent of your roster? It's so fucking weird. Somebody needs to tell them to be just because these agents are backstage doesn't need to be they need to be on TV. Sanjay Dutt doesn't need to be spinning a pencil. He doesn't need to be in the six round thing. Yeah. You know we don't. Pat Buck's turning up a lot now, isn't he as well? Yeah, Tony just can't help himself, mm. can he? But yeah. that, that, who the that fuck was he? Everyone says, like, oh, Pat Bucks. And I'm like, a lot of the time, I'm like, who the fuck is he? When he was, he was a wrestler. I'm, I'm like, I know, maybe there's this glorious Pat Northeast Buck Indies. career that I've no knowledge about. Don't Northeast know. Indies. Right. <laughs> Mate, I live in Oxford. How the fuck would I know what, what he's up to <laughs> over there? That's where I come. I'm sure he's very good at his job and all the rest of it. It's just something like, he's just, he's this bloke who's there. Well, moving on from AW, if there's uh, no other thoughts there. Speaking of, and speaking of blokes who are just there. Um, it was originally going to be the lead story on this podcast, but it's now like what, like the, the fifth most important story behind, uh, you know, NXT UK, AEW, Jeff Jarrett, Road Dog. I feel like uh, Kid Lycos going to Japan is probably a bigger story than, uh, than, than the G1 climax at this point. But uh, we did get you on to talk about it, WH, uh, unless you've got extensive thoughts to uh, to tell us about, yeah. you know, Kid Lycos in uh, in Japan and what we should expect. <laughs> Uh, Gideon Gray's probably more than DDT, so is he any good as a wrestler? Gideon Gray, you know what he is? I mean, like, as a wrestler, 
technically very good like i know like wrestlers genuinely like mm. as far as like one of those people who like wrestlers respect as like oh he's a very you know behind the comedy and stuff he's a very good technical wrestler who a lot better than you think um and i'll say for him you know for the shit that i gave the nxt uk wrestlers uh, earlier tonight i feel like you know you put the has wild boar having done a, sh- a completely immem- unmemorable nxt uk run had a better career than gideon gray getting to go off to Japan mm. on his own terms and get a new Japan run. I'm not sure. I feel like Gideon Gray's kind of got him beat there. So, good on you, Gideon. Mm. We've called for this for a while, mm. for him to get that gig. I mean, I don't know if him being beaten up by Eddie Dennis at Rev Pro sets him for, like, kind of heading off for a bit. But if his role is going to be effectively as a manager-type figure who gets beaten up in these matches and is going to happen a lot, for like it's, it's going to be for United Empire, isn't it? You know, I'm kind of fine with that. I'm just glad he's getting the chance. It's it's a real test to see whether or not he, it will kind of translate directly to a Japanese audience. But we've always been kind of high on his work, like all within like within Rev Pro. Like I mean, as a wrestler, like I can't say I've seen like loads of great Gideon Gray matches. I've seen plenty of decent Gideon Gray matches. Um, it's it's more what he adds as the kind of character there and as the cowardly heel in the ring. He's kind of got that shtick perfectly down. So to give you an example, he was at, went to a Riptide show. He's in the Riptide Rumble. The first thing he did is he took out a pair of handcuffs and handcuffed himself to the second turnbuckle. And you're going, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I don't think you said that like, WH here. I think you picked Jeff WH is no, picturing those Yano matches. <laughs> I think that's what's in his picture. <laughs> but he can have, but he can, he can, you know, he can wrestle. Can ta- I just don't know if he, will. he can wrestle, right. and he yeah. can take bumps. Hmm. Well, if he's more of a wrestler, sure. Like I, I but I, I kind of feel like you know, with this G one, that Osprey and United Empire have kind of moved beyond being like these heels and just being like this faction of people rallying around Osprey, who's now become a guy who's like who wants to win titles and win big matches instead of being this shit Ric Flair clone that he was when he first came back. And having people interfere in his, all his matches before, like Cobb and Okan and, and B. Priestley before when she was still mm. in Japan. Um, I like this version of Osprey way more because I think it's more compelling because I think it plays to his strengths, which is him being a really good fucking wrestler who has really exciting matches, not this, I'm actually rich and I want to tell you how rich I am by being an asshole. Mm. And I don't, I want to show you how bitter I am at all the online abuse I get because of this, that, this, this, or that. I don't want to see that. Honestly, I think that makes Osprey so uninteresting. I think when Osprey is a wrestler who wants to beat Okada, when Osprey is a wrestler who wants to be the world champion in, in Japan, when Osprey is the wrestler who wants to win the big tournaments, the Japan Cup, G1 Climax, best of super juniors, that's the Osprey that I think is the most interesting. And, and I think that's the Osprey that Japanese fans want to see and will pay money to see, not this other character that cheats and has people interfere on his behalf. If he wants to bring his friends over and have them like Aussie open and stuff. Okay, cool. That's great. That, that, that helps a, 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 a tag division that doesn't exist anyways. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I fear they're going to come over. They're just going to get lost in the shuffle. Same thing. If like, you know, TMDK, start doing tag matches there they're like because in no point in ghetto's history as a booker there has he ever shown to care, give a shit about the either the junior tag division or the heavyweight tag division so people clamoring for but it's gonna make 
the World Tag League so much more interesting. No, it's not. Nothing can make the Tag League interesting. No, right. No, you're gonna <laughs> how many, have how like, many years have we said? I I feel like I've said that personally for f- four years. They could do this to the Tag League, but they won't do it. So what a waste of a thought. But you know, but it'd just be for the Tag League, right. and then nothing's nothing of significance will come out of the Tag League. They'll have like mm. the winners will win. We'll have get a tag shot, a uh, title shot at, at Wrestle Kingdom. But then after that, who fucking cares? Because there's no other care given to the tag tag division in that company. I I will say that the announcement, and this is you know, it's not necessarily like the G1 itself, but the announcement of only one Tokyo Dome, mm-hmm. I found surprising, interesting, and gave me perhaps a renewed hope that at least they can't do any silly bollocks with the with like the card and stuff. They'll have to have a tag match on there. It'd be like. Unless they decided to hold stuff back for New Year's Dash, so it made you think, well, maybe they might. We might just be getting, God forbid, just like a, a proper card that's had stuff built to it for a certain, you know, for a certain amount of weeks. And yeah, we'll get the usual nonsense in the run-up. And what is it, Jay White's taking on Jonah or stuff like that? Is that what they're doing? Which is like uh, it's Tamatanga for the title. Oh, it is Tamatanga, which is not, yeah. not going to sell any fucking tickets. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just can't buy that. Not that I mean, uh, I saw the semi final match against the Carter, and it was like, this is the limit for him for how good he is. And it, it's probably that's more about a Carter. I was expecting I, I, I anything else. It's handy is, when you're in the ring with him. That's more of a reward for Tamatanga being yeah. loyal to them and saying, okay, we're gonna because they weren't gonna give him the finals, but they can give no. him like the finals of his block against Okada on a show that's already. Sold as many tickets based on it being the semifinals as you're going to get, and also having, I think, it's, just, it's the same show as Naito versus Osprey. Yeah, so that's what drew it. So they can say, okay, we'll just throw on, you know, Okada in this this throwaway match with the with, with Tamatanga because no one cares. It's no coincidence, though, that those Osprey shows generally draw. I mean, and I, I could be completely off the mark on this, but they tend to draw quite well in Japan, like you mentioned about like. The changes in character now where it's less of the kind of like I think that to a Japanese audience he is they've they've done a job of making him more into a draw because he has those spectacular matches. He's more of a Japanese style wrestler. When mm. he, like when he was when he came in as a junior in chaos, when he was being built up as the, the next like kind of foreign ace of the junior division when he had the best of the super juniors match with Shingo Takagi. That's all stuff that the Japanese, I, I feel the Japanese yeah. market wants to see. Like, that's why I think he's a better fit in New Japan than, than Jay White is in, in Jay, the Switchblade persona, the King Switch persona, whatever whatever he is now. That's Osprey is a much uh, more of a New Japan wrestler than Jay White um, is right now. Um, and I think he ever will be because I think he's in love with being this character that, that's better suited for American wrestling. Uh, than this for Japanese wrestling. Um, so I, I think there is, it's very telling that they didn't go with Jay White to, to go further into the tournament, that they gave it to Osprey, even though Jay, you could have made a story for Jay, like winning his entire block, running the table, and, and going at least into the finals to maybe create the interest to build up if, if the match is going to be Okada versus Jay White at the Wrestle Kingdom. I, I don't think that's going to be the main event because like I, Jay White is not a draw. I don't say this because I don't like Jay White's character or his wrestling in New Japan. It's because he's legitimately not a draw in that company, in, in, the, in, in the country, because he fulfills a certain niche 
in in, mm. in New Japan that Ghetto likes of like, oh, he's my and, and, and like if you don't think that part of the reason Jay White's pushed so hard is so for Ghetto to be on top like at the top of the card as his manager, then you're really fooling yourselves because that's <laughs> part of the reason he he's he's on top. Well, who who did he who is he attached to for the longest time before Jay White? Oh, Kazuchika Okada. Because then he could be the manager of the champion. Now I'm the manager of the top heel guy in in this company. That's it's for him to be on television. There is an ego element involved with Ghetto being part of of Jay White's success in in, in the company, and that, that, so that's why Jay White's always going to get like a big push. Not because he's an actual draw, because it, it gives Ghetto the the you know the, the cachet of being like the the top heel manager yeah. in that company. So. But but Osprey's performance throughout the G one, I think, has been really great. I think it's a it's a really You're surprised he didn't win. I'm not surprised he didn't win because it's the it's the fiftieth year for New Japan. It's their fiftieth anniversary year. And like the mm. guy who's like you know, who's the most important person in that company for the last ten years has been Okada. Like it wouldn't make like I think giving Osprey the finals is like a big is a big is a big deal. And he having him having that amazing match with Okada is a big reward too. And I I I I feel like if he stays with the company, and that's a big I think that's a big if because I think people are knocking on his door to 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 like when's your contract up? Like I think like probably one of the biggest you know probably people knocking on his door is probably like Tony Khan. Like I can see Tony Khan totally wanting Osprey in his company. You have Freddie yeah. Phil. Ready built feuds with like Omega right off the bat, right? Because that's what he's trying to build towards. It's like, I don't think you're going to get that in New Japan. I think the payoff for that is probably going to be in AEW and probably it's going to play out in like the Trios tournament when Ozzy opened him, probably mm-hmm. beat Death Triangle and go against the Elite in, in the, uh, what, the quarterfinals, I guess, semifinals. Um, but Osprey is an interesting person because I think they want him to stay and they give him a big push. Um, and, and part of that is like, well, you're not going to win the finals. That's Okada's thing because it's it's our 50th anniversary year. And so we're going to make Okada the centerpiece of that. But you're going to be in the finals with him. And then maybe the, the year after, we're going to we're gonna give you a bigger push. Maybe put the title back on him. I don't think it would be the worst idea. Like I think if he's kind of more of a champion like, like AJ Styles was, in the ring and and, and i think because aj aj was actually a success for new japan you know because like even with some of the bull club bullshit like he for the lot for the most part he had a lot of great straight matches without too much interference from the bull club in them but if you have that with osprey and like just empire out there for like support that's fine because i think you can you can turn okan and Cobb into like you know baby big big draws like not big draws but like you know like attractions in of themselves yeah as well right and then you have like you know supporting staff is like you know per, per, tj perkins and and francesco akira, akira francesco as like the junior guys like not that anyone cares because no one cares about the juniors in that company anymore either um but there there is that whole idea like osprey with the united empire can be like bigger bigger stars and and and, and try to maybe like fulfill a, a position that maybe Bullet Club is not fulfilling anymore because I like I think they're really stale and I think people in Japan think they're really stale. I don't think there's as much merch selling for the Bullet Club as there used to be 
Um, and probably they're thinking maybe we can do something with United Empire if we make mm-hmm. Cobber a bigger star, if we make Okan a bigger star. I think there's definitely going to be a push for Okan. I think he's their Japanese prospect, like of his generation. Yeah. Um, and he's like the only one who has any kind of promise of getting an actual push of the, the dojo class that he is like part of, right? Like, like Sho and Yo are completely lost right now. Like I, yeah. I, I see no hope for them. They're never going to turn them into heavyweights and they don't give a shit about juniors. And then um, like, and then, and then there you have the whole, like, what are you going to do with Hiromu and Desperado? Cause like, I think they should be heavyweights. I don't think they should be in the juniors anymore. They've done everything they could in that division. And the, the, the pathway to, to a higher position and, and more success into main events is the heavyweight division. That always has been in that company. Uh, so with Okan, like he's the only one like of his generation, of his dojo generation that's gonna that has any promise of getting a push. And maybe like because of you know, he has latched on to the to the Japanese fans, especially with his real life heroics, you know, being brought uh forward in, in the media that okay, we're we we can do something with him. And it doesn't matter like what we think about him as a wrestler. I actually I actually enjoy him as a wrestler. I think he can tweak the gimmick a bit more. So it's less ghost, like supernatural and shit when he comes out. But I, 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 I don't mind his his gimmick or his look so much. I think it's fine. Uh, it could it could have been worse. Could have been Master Watto. That's that's complete <laughs> shit that's compared bad. to this. My, that's um, but overall, the G one, I, I just I didn't give a shit about the G one. You know, I I thought why are there why are there twenty people in this like mo and like pff, let's say ten like. 10 of them don't deserve to be in it. Like, I, I'm sorry, you cannot give me, you cannot tell me, like, I should take a tournament, a, a, a tournament that has Chase fucking owns in it, mm. seriously. Like, this guy doesn't eat, this guy belongs on, like, the fucking opening match, not on beating certain people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if he's in New Japan, he's definitely, what, you're just devaluing the name, the idea of the tournament. Like, oh, but it's a work, WH. Oh, don't you know your history? It's like, listen, the best times of the G1 are when, like, you have people like, that person deserves to be in, that person deserves to be in, that person has a place. Like, yeah, Yano's in it, but he has a place. He serves a function of, like, giving these guys a night off, right? And the fans like his comedy. I don't know anyone who likes Chase Owens, like, you know, create a move wrestler fucking gimmick where he's like, I'm going to steal this move, this move, this move. I'm also going to look like my body's made of fucking butter, right? <laughs> Melting in the sun. I'm going to wear a stupid fucking headband and have shit and gear that looks like it was made by fucking Trey Miguel's like, like, uh, you know, like Trey Miguel's gear maker from fucking four years ago. Right. <laughs> you know, like, no, it looks like sh- he looks like shit. And it's like, okay. Also why, you know, like some, like just, Archer being back, like, good for him. I don't fucking care. He, he's old news, man. Like, like people clamoring for he should come back to like New Japan. Like, fucking, like, fucking English commentators saying, oh, making fun of Tony Khan for not pushing him more. It's like compared to like who are you gonna push him over in that company? Moxley? Uh, no. Uh, who else are you gonna push him over? Uh, Punk? They've no. done as they've done as they've much, done as, much as they can with him. He yeah. might as well go back to New Japan right like because it'll be fresher for for him and he's been away from there that it maybe be mm. fresh for maybe a year and then he'll be just be like same old lance archer that he was and then he'd be older and then be like well you're just we're gonna put you out to pasture like we do everyone else over the age of 40 i mean I, yeah the tournament itself like i mean 
I'm, I'm, it's kind of, you know, it's a catharsis for me uh, to, 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 to hear you as somebody who uh, covers uh, Japanese wrestling uh, closely, you know, be as disinterested, you know, as we've been throughout it. Like, this has felt like, like so many notches below what AG1 should be, you know, the likes of Chase Owens are a reason why, you know, it's the, it's the fucking G1 climax. Like, this should be... You know, the elite of the elite, we should, you know, I, I mean, uh, maybe it's a terrible thing to say, but, you know, we should have a lot of uh, notebook entries as far as matches go, or dare I say, you know, highly rated, you know, grapple uh, matches, you know, Gareth will say it, and years gone by, you know, on the app, like the app was built in a lot of ways on, especially our year-end stuff, on strong New Japan matches, like on, like, four and a half to five star, you know, New Japan matches. Like, when New Japan was good, star ratings were, like, were just thrown at them, you know, as far as the app. The app, the backbone of the app was was built on how good New Japan was, and a lot of those high star ratings came during the G1 period, and, like, mm. you know, as people have heard, listen to this, man, JP's interest has been extremely low, you know, to the point where, like, I've missed, for the first time in, since, what, 2013, 2014, when we could start watching these things live as the as they go, you know, I've barely seen any of this years. Like I love mm. the final, you know, we can we can throw yeah. rows at that. I'm not there. I'm not quite that joyless. You know, I kinda I can't very much enjoy a great match when there's a, when there's one in front of me. But as far as like a tournament goes, this has gotta be the most forgettable year of, of G one and in of recent vintage. And it's not even like the two years before, but exactly well beaters, but it has not I'm- felt like the G one at any point. I would generally agree with that. I'd, I'd argue this one has been slightly better than last year's, but then I hated last year's. Well, God, it's 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 tomato tomato. I don't think there's much in it, and it's not like neither are strong. I think, in theory, the idea of you think, okay, so we've got two more blocks, you've got a day of semi-finals, and then you've got the finals. That you know, in theory, sounds very good. In practice, what it meant was you never had a thread of what these matches meant within the block mm-hmm. because they weren't happening with other block matches. So you could say, all right, so this is what's happening in block A. There's something in block B or, or block C. Everything was messed around. So you just felt like these kind of more novelty singles matches. And it's hard to get an idea on, you know, on what's actually going on within the tables and the standings if you're not seeing a few matches from that block. And that's because, but they've also made the conscious choice of diluting the talent. And so by spreading these around and then, you know, on the the first day at Budokan, it's like, well, let's just put all singles matches down there, which seems even somewhat overwhelming, even though that's kind of what it was back in the day. And that it follows the formula now that you're thinking, well, each of those five matches, the likelihood is like three of them are going to go 20 odd minutes. And then they start to feel kind of more and more like a chore where you're watching a singles match, but you don't quite know, like, well, what does this mean in terms of whoever else is in the block there with them? It's it's bloody, it's it's kind of exhausting. Um, but what I will say is, and, you know, diving in at these semifinals, for example, I didn't watch any of the first day of Budokan because it just didn't seem to, to kind of matter. They were going to do a few kind of pull the rug under your feet by having, you know, Tamatonga win the block rather than Jay White. I thought the match against the card, like I said before, was kind of the top end. I went three and a half stars on it. It was Which it was kind of good. Tamatonga versus Akada in this... In this I thought in, um, he was like this five-star change wrestler, mate. I thought he was like one of the best in the world. No, <laughs> he isn't. Like, it isn't. 
there is the world as it is, and then there is the world as you want it to be. That's very, very much the world probably, you want it to be. He's no longer the king of the fucking bathroom break. I'll give that to Tam. Because yeah, there was a point where he was the fucking... I, did I ever tell you? I was in Japan. I was in Osaka. And I tweeted out... T- the you know Tamatonga is the king of the bathroom break wrestler of the G1, and then there's woman from fucking I don't know Romania or some some place in Europe. Like she just tweeted that is not true. And then the next thing I did was I went to the bathroom. I took a line of the picture. I timestamped it and I said, "Here's your proof." <laughs> Everyone's taking a piss during his fucking match. Same thing with Bad Luck Fale. All right. Yeah. So, but Meanwhile, uh, in is he? I was in a queue at a. I was in a long queue at Greg's. There was always a lot of people mm-hmm. there. I was like, "You here because you here because God are on?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, me too." You know, but also yeah. <laughs> <next match. laughs> it was it was the curse of Tamatonga in that particular G one. But mm. yeah, again, like you see a lot of people getting rewarded mm. for being in New Japan in this in this year. I feel and yeah. And not really because like, oh, we want to, you know, we, we, this is, this should be their elevation. Who are you going to elevate in this, in this G1? Like you, you should have elevated Cobb, I feel in yeah. this, in this, like he should be Ocon. something like Ocon. Like it's, I, it's his second one. I forget. Yeah. I forget how many. So like, it's okay. He can, he can get an elevation next one. But like, I feel like Jeff Cobb, someone who's like of an age where, okay, you should really start pushing this guy and like mm. promoting him stronger than you do uh like you know on a on a level reaching ospreys in terms of like stature in the company but you don't like he should have got a way better tournament than he did this year i think he should have mm. not run one every match but he should have got a lot more significant matches in there and and then but who who you have yeah but like tamatonga wins the block why you know it's a reward that's that's it. And like, is this is are we are we giving participation points in wrestling now? Like participation trophies in wrestling because that's what it feels like. It's listen. Like if you're if you're a draw, you're a fucking draw. If you're not and you're still loyal to the company, okay, get give him a fucking tag team title run with his brother again. But why does he get to go to the fucking semifinals of the G1 climax? It just doesn't. I don't know. I just don't think it makes any business sense either. And and also that any good matches. Are kind of drowned out by the amount of dross in yeah. the other matches. So there's not like I think there's one day where you would have said, uh, and I'm trying to think it was the day with the um, Osprey Shingo match. Is that right? That was the one day when that oh, feels like a kind of a G1 day. Not because the undercard was was great. It was like there was a couple of matches on there that you thought oh, that was good. That was fine. That that was like, day one of the Osaka shows, which is yes. good. I got to cover yeah, that thankfully, but also unfortunately had to cover day two, which is shit. Yeah. <laughs> And it's and and so you look at it and it's like it, it it doesn't match up to what it is. And like you say, there's a lot of there's just so much dross there who get involved in these matches who you just think grade one. That's what this is meant to be. This is meant to be the elite, and it doesn't feel like an elite level tournament. And it does also mean having an elite level tournament. It's like kind of what they're doing. Sorry, to bring up again football. It feels like what they're doing with a World Cup or a European Championship. You bloat the amount of teams who get into it. What it means is there's more teams in it, but it means you're going to sit through more very dull group games where teams kind of play out draws and the rest of it. You're not really interested. You're just waiting for the knockout period where it's a bit more interesting when it's just like single elimination. But instead, like that's what it feels like with lots of this G1. I mean, there are kind of sporadic highlights of people like Tom Lawler generally coming across quite well and 
you know, Team Filthy's gone very wacky for it. You know, seeing them have like, you know, George Michael and Boy George like smashing records and stuff. That was funny. I'm, I did enjoy that. That was funny. Yep. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of down with that as well. Your team George um, or Team George? <laughs> me, I I'll be George I, Michael. I am a George Michael person. Yeah, it's gotta yeah. be George Michael. It's yeah. George Michael sorry, for sorry. sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll sorry, get on the double denim and grow the and and, and get my uh <laughs> yeah. stubble beard back as well. But it is yeah, it, it's 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 just the thing with this is it is it feels very much like a bloated tournament. In theory it would sound all right, but and the idea of the experiment of doing four blocks, it could be worked, but there's a rigidity. To how they do this which kind of means that it won't work as well as it should do um and like you say yeah there's there's kind of little bits of i don't know jonah beating a carder is really just that the story of his g1 and everything else he's really done in it is kind of more throwaway it doesn't really mean as much um i it would have been uh, with, more with that though mm. like if you're gonna give that big win over okada and that's his story mm. but why why is his first match in the tournament losing to fucking yano yeah like that doesn't make any sense to me. If you're gonna have him lose to Yano, why not make it like day his fourth fourth match? His first match should have been a, a win over somebody. Yeah. Not not his not his first match. I, first match in G1. I'm losing to the comedy guy. It's like I was just like why? blown away. Like wow, what a dumb decision that was. Why is Yujiro still here? There's no good argument. <laughs> like I'm telling you, he's got fucking tape on Ghetto doing something, have. doing something stupid at Yano's bar. He's like bad that, that must shit. be it. He phased him that, out for a couple of years, and he's just back now. Isn't he like a bad fucking spell? It's just oh, the Ujiro? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, I would, I would say, like, I mean, in terms of a card of winning, given it's the fiftieth year of um, of New Japan Pro Wrestling, it felt like it was the inevitability that that's this is this is part of the legacy building project, isn't it? WH. I don't know who else has won four G ones out outside of like a Chono. At this point, or is uh, ten, it's Tenzan. I think it's Tenzan has won a record record number of G ones. Um, so they'll get him to that that mark eventually. Yeah, and, for sure. It's like it's versus- like, but it's like Kento Miyahara being in the main event of Budokan against yeah. Suwama. Like it has to be Kento Miyahara. Yeah, because he's he's the Okada of all Japan. He's the guy who's mm-hmm. kept the doors open. Okada and Tanahashi kept the doors open. On New Japan, like they brought it out of the dark ages, those two, right? More than anyone else. And then like Naito helped take it to a different level, like another level. But like the thing with Naito is like, you know, he, he he's got bad knees. He's old. He's broken down. He's mm-hmm. broken down. Like I, I don't think that's a work. I don't think he's working us or anything like that. And like some some people want to say, Oh, you're all fooled by the work. And it's like, eh, I think it's you know, he's had enough surgeries where you think, yeah, he's mm-hmm. kind of fucked. I think his time is limited. That what is going to be the main event of Russell Kingdom? It's good. Is like Okada has basically stated, "I'm not defending my shot." Good. I'm, I, yeah. And and I, which I like. I I never yeah. liked defending of the the. I never liked the briefcase. I thought it was too <laughs> WWE ish. Yeah. Too money in the bank. I never liked that concept. I didn't like the fact that you would put it up. Who in the right mind would put it up? That's so huh. dumb. Like I would if I was a wrestler. Realistically, I'm gonna you're gonna I want to give up the the shot. I'm going to I'm going to potentially lose the shot to the biggest payday of my of my year and to the main event spot of the biggest show of the year. No, I mm-hmm. would never do that. That makes no sense. So I'm after glad. going through a grueling tournament, you exactly. give it all up over one match. And 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 so like well, at least he it's stated one night as well by the way. It's one day. night which I think is good and then they're, they're going to do 
they're going to bring back New Year's Dash, probably back at Oda. And it's definitely at Oda Ward. So right. they're okay. going back to traditions. They're not doing two, three nights bullshit. Um, I think you could like, I think that was a good experiment for, for Naito, his double, double gold dash, whatever it was called. Mm. But the engagement you see with wrestling fans in the West is very low. I think it has a lot to do with like people on social media not being able to, 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 yeah. to make gifts, use footage or whatever to talk about it. So no one's talking about it. It's, it's telling, I think, when you have like their lead English commentator going on Twitter and saying, begging people to watch yeah. not only New Japan in general, but to watch the English feed of it. That tells me that it's very likely that they're looking at the numbers. And it's like no one watches the English feed of New Japan. Like it's only Japanese fans watching the Japanese feed. Or in my case, me watching the Japanese feed because I prefer it over <laughs> the English feed because like I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I think I should watch Japanese wrestling with Japanese who's, commentary. Who's the lead commentator just out of curiosity? Because that would, that would be, you know, Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly. No, 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 on the, on the Japanese side. Because it was your man who I'm just thinking back to Azuka dressing him up as like drawing. Oh, not that guy. It's, I forget his name, but it's, it's, it's not Milano. Milano's a color commentator. And then yeah. they get wrestlers to do color commentating as well. I forget the name the of The bald them. lad's gone, isn't he, with the beard? He yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you mean Yamazaki? Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was also like more of a color commentator. They tend to get like real sports announcers to be like com- the, the lead commentator, the play by play people. But like mm. to me, it's like, why are you begging people to watch? You didn't have to do this like four years ago because everyone was watching it, everyone was engaging with it. Everyone, like, and a ton of people. I bet you subscription numbers for New Japan World are down. Mm-hmm. I bet the English feed numbers, because they can monitor all this shit. I bet they're down. And then you have like then you have like Chris like just getting butthurt over some stupid comment <laughs> that mean that from bet like you know, like and it's nothing against you, Benno, but it's like you just you're just like making a comment and he gets <laughs> all butthurt and goes on goes on Twitter and on television and he and he makes comments about it. It's like yeah. you guys you guys need to like think about how you present yourselves because you make this product look bad. And like, I don't care what people in the, the bubble of that fandom are saying, yeah, go after those guys over at fucking grab. Like, why do you care what like me or Benno or anyone else in the, you know, in wrestling podcasting thinks it's like, we're just sharing our opinions. If you don't agree mm. with them, that's fine. I, I always say this, like, I don't care what other people like in wrestling, but why do you care what I hate? That's what I want to know. Why yeah. do you why do you so concerned what I hate your company? Especially if you are a fucking commentator who works for these companies. Why do you care if I hate what you're presenting? Mm-hmm. Like just ignore me. I don't care. Like no, if you have to publicly attack us, is it's sad. It makes you look like a fucking mark, it makes you look like a fucking loser. Mm-hmm. You should really think about like how you how you look in general. When you, you you decide to like tax people sure who does. don't who don't buy your fucking Kool Aid, yeah. Well, it, it like that's the thing, and I think that that whole episode literally started because on this podcast I dared to say that I don't think Chris Carlton's a very good emotive commentator, very good at providing information and stats and stuff. I just don't like to listen to and try and tell dramatic stories. I don't think that's that controversial. It is controversial no. in our space because you know people don't like to say that about somebody who's within our bubble, but. 
you know, clearly, uh, clearly hit a nerve, uh, led to a blocking and uh, those comments. But you know, what are you going to do? Grapple up sneers from joyless types um, and masks the here? bigger problem, isn't it? It's a great avoidance issue. It's a great thing to talk about rather than actually like the kind of state of the product Create, of which uh, you can create a straw man to, to go at you know the yeah. and the the idea of star rating the grade one climax is bad we're talking about the g1 here folks you know no. like if there was ever a place where star no. ratings are appropriate it's that like there's a very great it's, it, it's a very reactionary kind of like it's quite a reactionary fan base to this because the, these problems have been here for a while particularly and i know it's something that the wh has mentioned before about like this lost generation in in new japan who haven't been elevated up the same way. And we didn't see that when we kind of entered into the kind of Naito era um, of of New Japan as well, which I have to say, like, I enjoyed the semi-final match against Osprey. I thought that was that was actually quite good. I went, like, kind of four stars on it. But it's very clear the kind of wreck he is. But there's there's always, like, that defense of, no, we, we, we need to have him in there. And it's like, but you kind of almost limit his value if there's a constancy of that having a night on top of the card and things like that that fundamentally he's not in the physical shape to work the kind of schedule that you think is best to utilize him as a draw whereas intermittently would certainly be the way to go but i mean but we're still at that situation we weren't far away from getting a card versus night as a main event for it and the actual final itself, which I mean, I, I went four and a half stars on. I thought it was an absolutely excellent match. I think the pacing of it, I, I, I loved throughout this. Um, the issue that I kind of had of it is what you, what people don't get to see is why it's great. Unless you're only watching on New Japan World, you're not going to see why it's great. You're not going to see those little gifts that would have gone around it as well. And it's so self-defeating and so like it just hinders them in in any way because why would you get excited ah you need to spend 999 yen to find out why we're all so excited it's like well show me a gif no i can't do that right then i'm not plonking down a tenner then for shits and giggles like and they I have need- all these these uh, people who would like gladly you know gif something from new japan and promote it and promote the yeah. company to people who might not normally watch it but they they can't because they're afraid they're going to get their their Twitter accounts taken away from them because TV Asahi are draconian assholes. You know, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's shooting yourself in the foot and can mm. you can you really not understand why there's less engagement from English speaking fans because like you you went after people who want to engage with you and promote mm. your company but you just think oh you're you're copyright infringing upon us fuck you we're gonna we're gonna go make twitter police twitter against you it's it's ridiculous they they should be thinking about if they're wanting to engage with the international fan base and have them back in really it's that wrestle kingdom card that they've got to look to do it but the best foot forward get a couple of AEW stars on there yeah. get fucking danielson in you're not asking him to move to japan i'm sure he can fucking handle his shit for a week in Japan, all right, before we all start worrying about that side of him. You need to get them on a card as well. I, I weirdly have this feeling they're going to do Osprey versus Pack. Whether they do it at the Dome, I don't know, but there was the references to all the All Atlantic title because he holds titles in these yeah. different in these different countries as well. So it kind of felt like, well, that would be the route it goes. It fits in nicely with Pack traveling around the world and taking on people. I don't know if that's the kind of thing you do at Royal Quest either, because that could also be a kind of a possible location if you're wanting to kind of draw on one of those nights about whether or not that would be possible there as well. But it 
it just even more so than ever, you know, given that they spend all this money on the English language commentary, it it still exists in a in a vacuum and in a bubble. And other G one finals, I was thinking back to the to the one in twenty fourteen against Nakamura, which I think you were at that one at the Cebu Dome where it pissed it yeah. down, wasn't it? It yeah. was like a typhoon. And I remember watching that so implicit. I remember being feeling disappointed for them as a company when there was a typhoon and it didn't draw the way that it would have done and then loving the match because it was Nakamura when Nakamura gave a shit which feels like a weird distant dream at this point in time but like you thought about I remember being fucking excited to watch it being excited to watch group like block days and stuff we would cover the entire G1 and we would force ourselves through this vicious endurance test and it's just like say force ourselves but it was fun because it was great and it, it was, was fun. and it was notable and that's the thing like i i honestly yeah. think like you know i'd share both of your praise for the for the semi and the and the, and the final yeah. you know as far as okada uh sorry as far as naito osprey goes and as far as okada osprey goes as a final like just looking at the app you know which is back up and uh, fully working again folks you uh if you have uh, anyone's uh left us uh please uh, do jump back on but uh yeah over over on the mm-hmm. app for example you know naito osprey four and a half star average Okada and Osprey 4.81 average, you know. I know Meltzer went silly with like a 5.75 or, <laughs> or something like that. Oh, for these the love are, of fuck. For all the moaning we can do about the rest of the tournament and the layout and the drag that it was this year, these are matches that deserve your attention. You know, Okada and Osprey, like the thing that that did that really impressed me was that like, they, to, for, to be honest, for the last 10 minutes, it wasn't a clap crowd, was it? Like, that crowd just nah. lost it and was just cheering yeah. along with it and into it. And we've seen that a couple of times, but maybe not quite to this extent. They're matches that should be... That should have been the first subject on the podcast. That should be, you know, big news. That should be, you know, buzz, buzz worthy. That should be gift like crazy by yeah, like nothing 15 else. different accounts on Twitter. Mm, it's been it's, lost already you to know? the news cycle. It, it basically didn't happen. You know, it was too little too late, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to click because the thing about this as well is like I know in the past we've been what? We were the anti-progress podcast and we were the anti-NXT UK <laughs> podcast. You know, we've been painted by some as being an anti-AW podcast, which is crazy considering the amount of time we spent on it. I do feel like with this New Japan stuff, we're almost getting painted into a corner as the New Japan haters too. But there is nothing, and I mean it, there is nothing more I want than the New Japan to be good because I do enjoy New Japan when it's good. Yeah. If, you know, when the crowds come back and one night of Wrestle Kingdom, like I'm still holding on to those two things. Like, oh, but maybe, maybe it's still good. Maybe it's still good. Mm-hmm. Maybe things will turn around. This is not a promotion I'm like actively rooting to fail this is a promotion i want to enjoy and i want to be part of our usual rotation of the things we happily talk about whether it's positive or negative but it's just been pure indifference for the last couple of years and all of those reasons you both said are uh, chief among those reasons mm. and yeah i i want to like new japan i want to be able to go on like post perez and say well fuck, what a great show top to bottom or like 80 yeah. percent of it was awesome and I was so. In, I want to see the next show after that. I I don't feel that it it, it were like post Perez before was like, oh yeah, it's I'm I'm excited to talk about it now. Sometimes I feel like it's a chore, especially if I have to cover New Japan because then I have to force myself to want to watch it. I don't I don't like feeling that way. Like people think like I enjoy like hating on things. No, I I want to I I like when wrestling is is good when I, when there's stuff like I, I, I like to see and want to watch. I don't want wrestling companies to be bad. You know, I, I hate it when yeah. WCW was bad because I remember a time when I liked WCW and I thought WCW was yeah. good. And so when it became shit, I did not, and then I enjoy it, but like, I can't force myself to pretend that it's good. 
to me at least. I can't imagine hosting a podcast on post wrestling and being, you know, forced to cover a scene that you really enjoy for the last <laughs> six months. I was never forced. <laughs> you, sound, you sound like me. Hey, but there's other companies that I can, that yeah. in Japan, that I can, like, See, I oh, I enjoy this, I enjoy this, I enjoy that. So, I need but it's that. not like I hate everything about New Japan. I don't. Like, there are some things, like, there's some matches, like, that was a good match. I, and I like the direction of this mm. particular wrestler, this particular angle. But mm. for the most part, that's very rare. And I and I hate feeling that way. And it, 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 because I also like there's becomes this tribalism that exists on on Twitter. If like you're anti this company or if you criticize the company, then all the the the, the Kool Aid drinkers like who who just like you know and and you know like specific like podcasts that cover only this company or whatever whether it's new japan drag it whatever whatever it might be if you're critical mm. of them then they become tribalistic towards you and it's like listen like if you're positive about it that's amazing i'm jealous of you i'm jealous that you can still find enjoyment out of this i i really am but don't don't necessarily have to attack me because like i don't enjoy it as much as you do like what what's yeah. who cares it's it's because in the end it's just fucking wrestling <laughs> It's yeah. not that important. We're not talking about like women's, you know, women's rights to their bodies or anything like yeah. that. It's fucking wrestling. I mean, I, I would say I, it, you mentioned earlier, like in terms of I'm still, and you would have heard me talking about the dome, like one night at the dome. And immediately there's a part of me that wants to be optimistic. They'll put on a properly structured card where every match will mean something. And we'll see a couple of, I don't know, we'll see Shingo, in let's say they put him in here with Osprey on like the semi main, you go, that'll kick some fucking ass. That'll be brilliant. They'll be going all out to try and steal it. It'll be a big crowd, so it'll feel like a big event. They'll be able to cheer. So there's like reasons to be excited. And there is enough, if you work it, enough interesting people they could work in and rotate. But this is where we get into the booking. And that's even where we are with this G1. It still follows that ghetto pattern, and that has been tired now really in for like four years and each passing year you become more and more indifferent because you can kind of tell what's going to happen like you know generally the people who's going to win the blocks with possibly one the odd kind of upset for who was going to be there but there's no way fucking a card is not going to be there in the semis they're not they're not doing that so there's a predictability that goes along with it and not in that kind of good way of oh well these two are wrestling again it's going to be another chapter in this great series and i think that's you know that's kind of the issue i mean if we end up with zach saber jr versus tom lawler out of this on a on a tokyo dome then i'd be fucking completely fair game for that but it's like i want to be optimistic Mm. about it I don't hate watching the novelty wears off very very quickly when you're watching shit yeah, when you're watching stuff that's really average, the novelty wears off. And we've all been doing this between us a shocking amount of years. And it makes us like, it's not fucking fun. Like watching something that you really, you just go, I'm not enjoying this. I'm hating it, but I'm somehow watching it. How I kind of feel about season four of Westworld, <laughs> where I am having a fucking drag myself to watch this very expensive HBO show with all these big stars. And I'm bored to shite the moment they start talking about some fucking dreams and reality bollocks and nonsense and that's and that's kind of how i am with uh with new japan i have no idea what they're going to do for the main event because okada's definitely in it but who's he going to face like, I, okada I white 
that's not. I think they'll do that. That's not a draw. Like if they do that, then they're they're they're, they're, they're the, the booking is worse than I mm. I could imagine. If you're going back to one night and you think Okada versus White, I I do think Jay's probably losing the title. In, in probably in October or November. I, think so. but I just, I, I just, I just don't know. Who, but I, at the same time, to be fair to Jay White, I don't know who else you can put that title on because Okada is going to be the challenger. Yeah, someone has to be the champion, not Jay White, for that 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 dome main event to draw people. Like, here's the thing: you're going to draw a certain amount of people within Tokyo, and Tokyo is the biggest city in Japan, so like mm. people are going to fly. But the the idea is you want to draw people from outside of Tokyo. From Osaka, from Fukuoka, from Hiroshima, which are which are not close cities. Like by bullet train, you know, you're looking on average five hour a five hour train ride, or or, or seven hour train ride from like different regions of Japan to come to, mm-hmm. to Tokyo to watch, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. You have to have a match that draws those people. It's not going to be Okada versus White. It has to be Okada versus someone that. You know he's he hasn't maybe he hasn't faced before or he's faced very few times that would be an interesting like champion for him to defeat. I I, I will say don't make it Tanahashi because that's not going to draw either. I don't even think you can go back to Naito as well. They would, but this that sounds really boring. Yeah, it sounds like them. <laughs> and it's but it is it's it's what it's what you know mentioned about that lost generation. Like that's where the the consequences of not doing anything with them really starts to kind of come home, I think as well. And I want to give a shout out as well to Mark Buckledy, who is like, you know, if you want a really good, honest takeaway on how the G1 is, I'd recommend reading certainly his final couple of reports. But when he talks about this G1, and Mark isn't someone who's fly-by-night, he's done that trip over there many, many times, which, you know, is an encyclopedia of of knowledge on a lot of this stuff. But seeing how downbeat he was about this G1 was genuinely shocking to me. I mean, I hope he comes back and and does the match reports. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think him and Bruce Lord did phenomenal work on on post in terms of their recap. But my God, like, for those people, this is the reason why we don't cover it all the time. We don't cover each and every show. Because you see Mark get depressed, like, you know, it feels depressing and hard work for him to be doing it. I'm like, well, I don't stand a fucking chance then because I'm more likely to swear at the telly and switch it off. It's got bollocks, not bothering <laughs> with this. I've got six seasons of better call Saul to try and get through. So those lads are the canaries in the coal mines. They're the, they're the, uh, they the true heroes. But uh, we probably do need to move on from from New Japan. Uh, we've got about yes. half an hour left to, uh, to to cover some Rev Pro. There is a, a New Japan related story, obviously, with a uh, Royal Quest coming up. Do you, mm. you want to stick around for the last half hour, WH, or do you want to get your food? Sure. No, uh, no, no uh, it's okay. Let's. Uh, I can heat it up. No worries. Good man. Good man. <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk. We'll, a perfect tie-in, mm. you know, obviously to to get over to the Rev Pro stuff. There is the small master of New Japan coming over here uh, for Royal Quest. Uh, two nights, JP. Um, Crystal Palace. Um, we talked about it yeah. a little bit uh, behind the page on paywall. You know, you, you feeling like after your uh, your call experience this weekend, you're uh, hyped for uh, for live wrestling. Are you going to make the trip? Um, I'm still fifty fifty uh, on it. It's going uh, to be a few things. Yeah. And, you know, I'd say full transparency. I spoke to, you know, Craig, who, who is a, a part of Red Brain. He was asking me, and I said, well, yeah, I'm kind of waiting to see who's on the cards. What are the actual cards that are going to be announced? Because I'll be confident enough that I don't know how quickly they'll go off the gate. And that will dictate 
whether or not I go to them. Because there are things about getting to Crystal Palace, uh, like as a place, it's a ball ache, basically. Um, going to there, all the football ground. I think I ever so believed like, it was oh. a real place. I just thought it was a football team. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. It's a kind of weird one. It's like you're in a Croydon kind of yeah, r- yeah. round round that. Not areas that I know particularly well. I've never like lived around there. <laughs> just odd, I have it? no idea. <laughs> oh, it'll be some Victorian shit. It normally comes back to that era, doesn't it? So, oh, sounds oh, like man. a place for a rave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does, yeah. Crystal, the Crystal, crystal Palette does, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, what a All place right. to choose. Like honestly, like fucking hell. Like, well. Have you got good memories I mean, of, uh, of that area, JP? Is that a... Yeah, I, I, I not necessarily. Last time I was there was watch, a, was watch Crystal Palace, but that was like a, a long, long time ago. I wasn't there for the UWA show um, or like the, the, the kind of Alex Shane events of it. I mean, I've seen the very last people who were there was Ring of Honor. And they didn't draw great to it. Um, it looks like a big gym, basically. And I don't think there's much in terms of like if people are looking for drinks and everything else, which when I talk about Red Bro, it'll be the fucking face turn of the year is oh, all I'll, I'll say on that. Well, <laughs> not in terms of the quality of the beer, but like I'm, I'm going to wait and see who's coming across because if this feels like a bits and pieces New Japan show, then I don't know. I'll be, I'll be making the offer for anything other than one day, other than to see people and to meet up with them. I know like, you know, friend of all of ours, Karen Peterson's looking to come over for it as well. So it would be more for the kind of meet-up and the socialisation and the actual kind of show itself. Mm. But, like, I want to kind of wait and see, you know, what's coming up. Osprey, I'd be, I'd, like, Osprey who's going to be on it? Osprey's announced, isn't he? Zach's been announced, yeah. um, which are things you'd expect. Well, yeah, Zach you'd expect. In the, uh, in the UK, you know, is, uh, is something yeah. uh, we've been waiting a while for. Uh, did I imagine it? Or is Okada uh, uh, announced already? For yeah, Okada's announced. Okada's announced as well. So there's big names right away. It's just, yeah. more than anything, it's just, you know... a really want to repeat what everyone else was saying then the day it was announced and to be honest i didn't realize this at you know when, we, when chris jolton outright said it on commentary that the uh, these shows were going to be the first weekend of october it's a shit mm. of a weekend to run this show oh, london my. marathon's on two london derbies are on probably a trade strike although you know to, to be seen you know with mm-hmm. that you know one PW running the other end of the country with allegedly, you know, numbers in the couple of thousand already committed to go to that. Even Regal's got a talking, you know, a spoken word thing going on that weekend. Repro yeah. themselves were supposed to have a show on the uh, on the Sunday. I know it's convenient for New Japan's calendar, but like on six weeks notice, like that is not great. Like, and I, I do think it's going to yeah. be a battle to, you know, to convince people to, uh, to come. Part of the reason that the Copper Box worked as a venue is, and I say this because we were driving past there yesterday, is in terms of access, getting to, you know, this is not stuff you want to hear. Yes, again, Benno, but apologies for it. But the fact that Stratford is where they held the Olympic Games meant that they sorted out the tube station and everything else. And there's a Westfield, big shopping centre, you can go and get a bite to eat and have a drink. They, they had that Royal Quest show the same day as a West Ham home game at the Olympic Stadium. So in the same vicinity... And I swear to God, getting into Royal Quest was a piece of piss. Okay. No long queues. Not like you not you weren't just like being all of a sudden smothered in by a big football crowd of near sixty thousand. Like it was fine because the area was open for it. Like this one, you're having to negotiate getting around London to a part of the world that is that bit awkward. Now this probably goes on to things like rental and stuff like that, about like what's the availability, what's the cost of the venues. And I kind of get that type you know that that may be the thought process in there so yeah i'm 
I'm very much like I'm still going to wait and see what is announced. Is there going to be stuff on this that's going to feel genuinely special? Because at least Royal Quest, I know not for those of you who ever watched the stream, but being there, there was a feeling of this is as close to the authentic New Japan experience as I'm ever going to get without stepping foot, without having been to Japan. And that's as much as you're going to kind of ask for. Are we going to get this again with Royal Quest 2? Is there going to be the same level of effort made for them to do that? I don't know. Definitely not the same level of interest. No, there isn't. <laughs> As my microphone. To... It sounded like it was about to go. Like, Mate, noise. <laughs> it, it committed suicides by uh, that point. It just uh, decided to make a leap for it. Bear so, this in yeah, mind when, when we're about to criticise Red Bro's production. Oh, I don't have that much of criticism. <laughs> Um, Good. I, I I do think they're gonna probably load up these shows with like strong main events for that market. I think probably you're gonna get two nights. I think you would probably get a separate Osprey main event and a separate Zack Saber Junior main event. Yeah. And um, maybe maybe they'll do Osprey versus Shingo for the for the UK crowd. I'm sure that would draw a lot of people yeah. to come there. And then Zack Saber Junior versus I don't know. Like, or or maybe Jay White. I don't know. Like, you know, like mm. Osprey versus Jay White is, I think, a, a match that is pretty fresh. I think would play better in front of an English speaking audience than it would yeah. in front of a predominantly Japanese speaking audience. That's just my feeling about that. But I do think the the headliners for both nights are going to be ZSJ and and Osprey yeah. for for both those shows. And I think they're counting on those guys being as popular as they are and as, and having the kind of cachet as being big stars, especially, I think both of them, you can safely say that both of them are considered big deals in the, the you know, Brit- British wrestling, you know, marketplace that, mm-hmm. okay. Osprey versus Shingo or someone else big is going to draw. And I definitely think Zack Sabre Jr. Versus someone who's a big name will draw as well. Maybe not sellouts, but, maybe close to and then people will will forego like wrestling fans will forego any of these other mm. things that you're talking about to go see these shows okay so when time so, and, and Rian mentioned, i was going to say rian mentioned in the chat there as well um if it means a carlo turns up at a palace game it'd be good <laughs> like it would be gr- it would be great for example if zaha scored a goal which i did put him in my fantasy team this week i'll i'll leave the rest uh Something else, and he just did a rainmaker pose. Like I'd be like, yeah, get in. Just a little little wink on there. Maybe he'll get brought up on match of the day. Not likely, mm. but um, but it'd be awesome if it was Fulham Palace that weekend. That would be get Tony Khan talking about it as well, wouldn't he? He'd be well up for that. <laughs> Good happen. But yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm I'm fifty fifty on it. Like I say, yeah. Whether it's worth making the trip depends. Like I say, if they do literally, you know, if it is Chase Owens in those spots, I'm sure it's not. But if it's like a Tamatonga yeah. or something against Okada, I think I'm less likely to make the trip. But definitely, uh, considering it even at this uh, this short mm. notice. But yeah, you were at a uh, I chose this weekend, JP. Conspicuous by the abs- uh, their absence. No, uh, no New Japan uh, talent on the uh, big uh, pro uh, ten yeah. anniversary shows this weekend. No pack either, um, which is definitely yeah unfortunate on both counts i think 
you know that plus you know like i say similar to this show coming up the extensive travel issues i had a train booked you know i was going to be uh, coming down for and it just didn't end up making logical sense with the the strikes on and then then we just left it so like the hotel costs were we're getting crazy as well so i didn't uh didn't make the, the the trip for this one and it did feel like overall at least anecdotally from photos i saw and from hearing you know the likes of yourself and uh and andy and the other lads who were there it looked mm. like a a quieter york hall but was it was it that much quieter you know tell us what you you think it was what i would describe as optimum york hall so in terms of the numbers i want to say it was like 650 700 night one and i think about sort of close to 800 for night two or 850 which I think given the circumstances, if you look at that as an overall sort of total audience of like you're talking around, what, sort of 1,500 or so, that's pretty good. Given where we are, there is no Japanese import per se because obviously they had Yota Suji versus Shota Umino in a strap match, WH, um, on day one, which I didn't, I didn't see. I did see Shota Umino running around. I don't know what's going on. I think he's been in Portsmouth for too long. Because he was wearing like these silly, like kind of, like slippers and stuff, and he was dancing around the place. Oh, I saw, I saw, I saw a gif of that. So you could see him. I went when I was going for a pint. He was there, and I thought this is all kind of like uh, uh, a bit odd for it. But I mean, I think it's you know it, he was there, but he wasn't wrestling. But he did join in dancing to "Party Hard" by is it Andrew uh, WK, isn't it? And he said Andrew WH here because he's your ear crying out loud. That's a, <laughs> he's, I that's think what. he's also Canadian too. And is he? I think so. Oh, I could be well, wrong, but to, I, I well, feel like he's Canadian. Party Hard should certainly be like the closer on it because it is a fucking cracking tune, I've realised. And I was just pleasantly surprised that normally they don't play a lot of licensed music on Rev Pro shows for that, so it was fine. But, I mean, I'm going to start off with the big shocking thing. Getting into the building... It didn't feel like I was being fucking abused by some asshole bouncer who's looking to provoke a fight while simultaneously sticking his hand down my pants. Like, there was none of that shit. Or questioning about why I can't, why I can't bring a pack of fucking polos into a venue. <laughs> like, somehow I've put some fucking razor blades in there. Oh, shit. It wasn't that bad. It didn't feel like a... F- like, like like full on trying to get into fucking Guantanamo Bay kind of nonsense that they had before to which maybe, and I've said this many times, but maybe the fucking penny has dropped that wrestling is not like boxing. They are different fucking crowds. And whoever that asshole who turned up to the Eve show with a fucking razor blade has a lot to fucking answer for. I'll tell you as well. That's my level of anger on this. So there wasn't that bar cues, mate, five minutes. The beer still shit. Was that lack of people or a better system? It's kind of like a lack of people. That's why I mentioned it was Optimum York Hall. It was like a number where we could stand at the back. It was very comfortable. The bouncers are more comfortable because they've done it on the... I'm sure there are arseholes the day before, like if they're following trigger pattern. It takes them... Generally, they learn, oh, yeah, this wrestling crowd isn't going to kick off, but they learn that normally about fucking like an hour to go on at the end of the show, and then they start... Stop hassling you for stand for for the crime of fucking standing up. There was none of that nonsense this time round, which was good. So it was like it felt kind of good, nice and relaxed. Six matches on the card, which for a company that has problems with like timing of stuff, and they always want to fit in kind of other angles and things like that. That was like 
definitely the way to go. I mean, I should actually know because they the Eddie Dennis Gideon Gray match wasn't really a match per se. It was just like a kind of an angle they did in order to bring back Eddie Dennis. But there were like six proper matches. And that was definitely the the way to go on there. And in the main event, like the big thing was, we had Ricky Knight Jr. defeat Will Ospreay to become the new um, British heavyweight champion, and he went over clean. Now, I have to say, if you're looking for the kind of detailed kind of like blow, blow, blow stuff to happen, I was about eight, nine points a side of deep at this stage. So I was quite pissed, but I was enjoying it. I was next to Andy. I was jumping up and down. My girlfriend was there. She doesn't watch it. And even she could appreciate this was like a really, like really good match because they just, Osprey was in that kind of mode. He was in his like, I'm just going to make this work. Just going to make this match like this is just going to be an awesome match. Going to put him over properly. I mean, live, and I'd have to see it again on the rewatch before I start thinking of it for like in that match of the year kind of top 10 match of the year list. Like, I wanted to say kind of like four and a half, but it was great to be there. There was like a massive pop at the end when Ricky Knight Jr. won. There was the whole big, you know, Osprey gave a whole big post match spiel and stuff where he did mention about people coming back onto the scene that they're not just going to slot in where they were before because other people have come up and Ricky Knight Jr. is very much the epitome of it and I was like this is what it should have been like it may Osprey doesn't need to carry that belt around with him in New Japan like and I imagine in many ways this feels like we're going into that kind of new era with Ricky Knight Jr. who I would say I don't see him long term as a face I think he's going to be a heel pretty quickly because for me, the match in Ref Pro to go to is Ricky Knight Jr. versus Michael Oku. Like, if you're going to build, sorry, the, the feud, the series that should kind of define it over the, the next year, two years, that's the one there that I think has enough kind of like homegrown aspect to it. But it was a, it was what you would, you know, and I remember watching this thing and this, he's just been in a G1 final, what, four days beforehand. He's had to fly in. He's had that match with Mike Bailey the night before that I know you saw. It, like, it's ridiculous, like, the levels he goes to. And this one here was, you know, very much like kind of balls-to-the-wall stuff. And um, saw Ricky Knight Jr. afterwards, and he was, in, uh, he, was in, he, was, he was in good form, obviously. And then I told him about his, like, I was like, mate, turn heel, get your dad and your uncle in as your backup, as your heavies, and have Michael Oku as the as the you know the baby face chasing down your title. <laughs> it's it's booking one hundred and one. P.S. And I did say to him, Enfield no more. That needs to be an angle. And then I felt like I had to explain honor no more. And he went, Ah, yeah. And I thought, You're not watching your impact, are you? <laughs> Which I'll come on to when I spoke to Mike Bailey. He very much obviously is loving the impact at the moment. Are you on mute, Benno? Uh, that's right. There I was um, yeah. <laughs> Where to go with that? <laughs> you should be taking your advice, JP. As a, as all last. Fucking all should, be. mate. I was dishing out free booking advice when I was a few pints deep on what should be happening here across the board. I was, I was doing this. Ollie Anderson wouldn't have done that back in the day. I'll tell you that much. Fucking hell. Um, uh, but no, it's good that you. you know, in all seriousness, though, yeah, you know, there for his big crown and molding mm. RKJ, and they, you know, they had to do it at some point. You know, him and him and Oku were the, you know, the, both the at this point the one B guy. Um, yeah. In Rev Pro, and um, you know, when Osprey was a you know, saying that a clear number one, and they were you know, streets you know ahead of them as far as like notoriety and like being able to build a promotion around. But 
you know, this moment had to come, and I'm glad it did. Felt like the right weekend for it again. Circumstances yep. maybe aren't, aren't perfect with maybe it not being as a uh, notable a show as it, as it could have been, but yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, it went down well, and yeah, did, did. what was the crowd like for for, for them? Was it? Because if it, I read reports that like maybe as much as they were trying to lead into Osprey's the heel because of you know the great you on his eyes and all of that that like maybe that was lost a little bit and yeah maybe Ricky you know maybe wasn't the uh, the conquering the full conquering babyface he could have been was there any negative to that? I didn't feel that, but again again I should stress this with I had a few points, so like you know that can be like the kind of little missing element to a lot of it. I didn't get the impression of that. I mean, the impression I got was like, it was the idea that Osprey is the champion. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's just had a, like a match of the year contender four days previously. And he's here wrestling the local, I say homegrown talent, because I mean, really he's, he's kind of from Southside and will obviously be a WAW kind of product as much as anything else. But he very much feels like a Rev Pro guy. This was someone who, you could see this direction throughout the entirety, particularly of the tapings of the, and I think this is stuff that we called when we saw it was RKJ versus Robbie X, at like your call and stuff like that. We're going, Ricky Knight Jr. should be being pushed up. They need people to do this and he feels fresh. And it's like, so I didn't get the impressions of the sort of negativity. There was no one yelling fuck a card or anything else like that. They didn't get any nonsense like that going on in there as well. And I mean, yeah, I mean, and throughout a lot of this card, like you've got the impression of a company that is putting its best foot forward, but there was nothing there that kind of shit the bed. There was a couple of matches that overran and perhaps weren't as substantial, but in this day and age, like if you're getting a match like that in the main event and also getting a match like Speedball Mike Bailey versus Leon Slater, who I knew nothing about, and by the end, Leon Slater's getting like a kind of really big ovation once he's lost. Lad was in tears. Like you could tell it was like a big, big moment. No idea who he was. And fucking hell, Mike Bailey just never fails to deliver. Nice. Never. Briefly, fails to I do. saw the the match because shockingly, like or impressively, I should is, is more the word. Red Pro did get night one up already at time of recording. Yeah, um, not night two yet, but you know, not miracle workers, but uh, super impressive. And I threw it on. And I've got to say, I know WH you tried to watch this and you had some trouble with the um, with the uh, the new yeah. Rev Pro uh, on demand service. Personally, I didn't like it. Worked great for me. A um, couple of buffering issues, but I, I was more putting that down to my internet, unless maybe there is an issue yeah. on the other end. I, the quality was incredible. Like, the, the, you know, for all the shit we give Rev Pro about there, really? cameras and, you know, thumbs on Good. screens and stuff, it looked genuinely like, you know, like a high definition major league production. Like, I would give all the compliments in the world for that. Um, I think it's still trainees carrying the cameras around. You can't have everything. But, like, the actual quality of the picture, like, if anyone, you know, was not yeah. watching for that reason, Absolutely, uh, you know those uh, criticisms are maybe uh, in the past going forwards. Batch itself was incredible. Like, ever, if it had been there, I'd probably give giving it five stars. Like <laughs> watching yeah. live, watching on VOD, you know, not that that would have been me drunk in your call. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it was really a five star match. It probably was a, a four star match. Um, and I, I felt like maybe Osprey could have given Speedball a little bit more in the finishing stretch. I did expect like maybe one or two more kickouts for a big, you know, your call um, main event. But they did go 25 minutes, you know, so you did kind mm. of uh, get your money's worth there. It was just yeah, yeah. You 
you know I love Speedball. You know I love you know Osprey's in room work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love that. I thought that was great. Uh, anyone, you know, I got a yeah. two week free trial on the VOD, and it was uh, it was definitely worthwhile to it. at least sneak that match in then before we got here. You didn't quite get that far though, the bitch. No, I I just had bad buffery issues I, again. It, you know, it could have been my internet as well. I've been having a little bit of trouble today, but I did get to watch other stuff without any buffering issues so who knows yeah i wonder because i'm having buffer i'm having buffering issues with this stream um so it could you know I think it could <laughs> even be honestly like what you care for what you wish for it's like the because it was a it wasn't it's not pivot share the new rev pro service it's vimeo and it was like full-on hd to the point where i wonder my internet just couldn't handle the quality mm. of it so maybe that's a good problem to have i don't know but, uh, yeah definitely my compliments for the quality of it compared to uh what we maybe got used to but anyway, sorry, oh, you're saying speedball on night two. Good then too. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, but it was it was brilliant for a very different reason. I mean, and I said this to him afterwards. It was like, you know, we've been kind of we've been we've been spoiled. We've seen so much of him, so that's why I think his impact run is coming across so well because he's been over here so much. Like he, there's been so he is a regular there uh, as well on there. And and the job of it was, as with all these things, Leon Slater having whatever win in the 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 229 would have been a would not have been as big a deal as him losing to speedball mike bailey here just because it was putting i was when i saw him at tnt mm. recently like yeah massively came away a massive fan of it leon slater mm-hmm. yeah yeah he definitely got something about this is that 0121 i was asking again and i should say as well the, the, the people we were with like i mean a lot of our our patrons here are chatting too so you know liam andy jeff don um ewan Met a patron called Dell as well, and another listener called Karan. It was, it was really, really lovely. I get quite fucking shy and just kind of freak out on whenever people say, Oh, you JP from the podcast. And I say, Oh, Christ, what have I done? Well, I do, but I still get a little bit. No, I, I still, no, no, but I, I still get a little bit kind of freaked out at times as well. It's, it's very, it's, it's, it is always that, that kind of, I, I, it still never sits quite right with me. But anyway, um, yeah, for, for Leon. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, of the stuff that was was good on there, I mean, I thought they did, they, um, from the opener, they, the Greedy Souls beat Destination Everywhere, which I was happy with, because you had the Mills turn. It went over well in the building. You had Amira Blair there as well, so you had her kind of uh, running in. I think the, the Connor Mills heel turn got over enough. It, they had to do it. This was the perfect place to do it. As a tag team you needed to kind of remove them. Danny Jones is pretty decent. I mean, he's one of those guys who felt like he was really mothballed at NXT UK. So him and Brendan White, like as a pair of like a mid-card heel tag team, perfectly fine with that. Made complete sense. Um, Kanji defeated Chantel Jordan in a match. It, it was just a bit too long. It felt like it, it could have cut some time on this. Like it, it really kind of dragged. I mean, I thought the ending, like the the kind of counter sequence stuff I thought was was very good and very well done. It just sort of went on a bit too long. I don't know if there was an injury because I know Chantel Jordan said she's having a little bit of a break. So I'm not quite sure what happened there. If there was if, whether there was some sort of injury, I, I don't quite know. Um, Luke Jacobs had a had a very fun match with Tony Deppen. Like Luke J- Jacobs, one of these guys. When you're talking like, and these are the reasons why I get excited to go behind Rev Pro because again, if you want a fashionable promotion, not going to be them. But you know what you're going to get? And is you're going to get them actually pushing young wrestlers to the fore on their cards. So while you've got an Oku and a Mills is going to be in their feud and an RKJ, I was like, forget about it. It's like, fucking Luke Jacobs in as your 
your cruiserweight champion. Now, he shouldn't be a cruiserweight, but then you've got Ethan Allen to come back soon enough. So he's been out for a while. So you're like, oh, okay, that's really cool. Tony Deppen was fun. He was walking around like topless as well with a, um, a USA bum bag. And I did say it to him, I was like, mate, great bum bag. That's just tremendous stuff. That's what you want to see wrestlers have. Well, they call them fanny packs, don't they? Yeah. But then, you know. I don't think you I'm, can say that over there, right? Because it has a different kind of it, it just sounds very different here in the UK. In a kind of 1970s, 1980s kind of confessions <laughs> of a window cleaner type way. Um, yeah, you, you had the return of Eddie Dennis. Now, I didn't know this was going to happen because obviously there was the 30-day no-compete. So they, they had this. He was wrestling Gideon Gray, took him out. He was there with Mad Kurt. In the middle of the FPL on on, uh, on Sunday afternoon, Andy Ogden put in our big group chat, uh, Eddie Dennis, with four exclamation marks. And I don't want to get all peep show, but four exclamation marks, Jeremy. That's a lot. Fucking, <laughs> for Eddie Dennis. I, I, is that that he big a He was tired. He'd had a few pints. Was it a big moment in the build? No. It doesn't feel like one to me. But... He got a big because because he was playing party hard. Right. And I was saying it's Andrew WK, Did he not Andrew W. Story? Is that is that what they did? Well, it is. The losing streak is over. Finally, yeah, after as, as mentioned yeah. there in the chat, it was it was it was over at last, and it you know it got over for what it was. I mean, he looked in good enough shape. It was an angle with Gideon Gray and Kurt Chapman, Kurt, uh, who was wearing a like just a tracksuit with the Twitter symbol all over it and stuff like that. And it was all very silly, like, don't get me wrong, but kind of like, um, like fun enough. Um, and it was very quick and that's what they went to the interval with. So it's just like an easy crowd pleasing moment, whether or not Eddie, like I remember that whole losing streak angle and him not getting booked and then turning up into the building and the rest. It was great. Then NXT UK happened. And, uh, as if you want go back to the very start of this about why it was fucking terrible. Um, other stuff on the show I should uh, also mention um, the tag team championship Sunshine Machine defeated the Velocities it was fine and, and it was more because of Sunshine Machine I think Velocities are one of these kind of they're going to mesh with certain teams and they're going to blow very hot and cold I think and it's not to say this was bad it was a it was a it was a decent match but I've seen both of them have better matches but I would say Sunshine Machine like like nicely rehabilitated. I know you said this as well from seeing them on there. They've they've kind of found themselves as a tag team. And I'm more than happy to be proven like proven wrong about them because they're the kind of example of people who've done it. Like it feels like TK Cooper's got somewhat over that um that kind of issues he had. But he's like he sort of found himself as this player, as like being in this tag team division, and that was absolutely um uh, you know, it's absolutely fine. So you're thinking about what they're doing and rightly or wrongly, and people will disagree on the people that they're pushing and they say, pushing this person or this person. On the whole, it's very hard to disagree with what they're doing. Like, they're the ones trying out new stars. I mean, there was people like Nina Samuels was there, so I wonder if she's going to be back in um, back in the company and, and, and whatnot. I'm expecting there to be some of the NXT UK releases as well, which, to be honest, it's the women's division as much as anything else that really needs like some of the some of that talent there to to be in there. But do you know what? Overall, I really enjoyed this show. Like, and it and it had a big main event that felt substantial at the end of it. 
you know, I don't know how it will stand up on the VOD, but I'd had a few pints and I'd enjoyed myself. <laughs> Money's worth that, mate. Worth the, uh, yeah. the travel woes and stuff. Yeah, I, I was jealous not to be there. Like I say, I originally planned to do the uh, the whole weekend, but yeah, hopefully make up for it at, uh, at World Class 2 or at the, uh, the next bigger retro weekend. Uh, we'll have to get you over electric, uh, Royal Quest 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you consider coming over for Cara Movie the Rich for uh, Royal Class maybe? Big Red Pro Show, maybe we could get. No, no, I'd come over to hang out with you and JP and oh, and, and the Bush get on that Manchester, get a Manchester scene, mate. And then uh, you know, Matty, even even Matty Edwards, he has to pay for the chippies though. <laughs> He's got to treat me to the chippies. Uh, yeah, no, I, I honestly, I, I would think of like any trip over there for wrestling would be like ancillary. The main reason would be go to, yeah. s- to see. Like I do have other friends in the in, in, in England and other parts of the United Kingdom. So do that. That's my main reason to go see people, not not wrestling. If I happen to see wrestling, that's fine. Yeah. Liam and also go to get one. some crisps. Get some crisps in the <laughs> nice in the cold. fridge. That's right. Liam asked you could not come over to Liverpool for GCW, you know? Don't fancy. You know? Listen, I I wouldn't even go to fucking GCW if it was showing here in Toronto. <laughs> I was gonna say they could be running next door to your work and you'd be like oh, bollocks not bothering me. No, they could be like Emil J could try to give me a free ticket and I'd be like, No, sorry, Emil, no, I don't want to listen to your shit fucking ring announcing, sorry. <laughs> oh brilliant. Well on that note anyway, yeah, that's the type three hours that brings us uh, yeah. to the end of the uh, end of the show. We'll have a Obviously, on the Patreon, we've got a bit of a post-show uh, coming up. I've I've got a couple of other things I watch, but maybe I'll uh, I'll mention them uh, mention them there. Uh, but yeah, before we uh, we let you go, WH, yeah, anything uh, anything to plug, mate? It's been a fantastic having you on once again. What a what a show to get you on. Couldn't uh, couldn't oh, be thanks. More I appreciate ready, the invite. Topics. You know, I I'm, I'm following up. Uh, you know, Karen a couple of weeks ago, Maddie last week, and. You know him. Will was uh, all right as well. One either the week. I know. I know we don't like to. Was, was Will cooling on? I, 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 I blanked out maybe for that. I don't <laughs> oh, know. Maybe. Uh, oh, but um, yeah. So I will be recording. I'm scheduled to record a new episode of the Long and Winding Royal Road with uh, Daniel Makabe, and we're going to talk about a tag match from 1989. Uh, that hasn't been recorded yet, so this is tentative. Um, but it's sh- without a hitch. It, it should be up for. The, in a couple of weeks um it's gonna be uh, giant baba and russia kimura taking on the tag team of jenrichiro tenru and stan hansen from the 1989 real world tag league and if you think that's a very odd match to review if you watch this match and i recommend it's up on youtube it is i don't want to give too much away but it is one of the greatest examples of getting heat on one team by another team I, you can guess who's, who's who's getting beat up the mostly in this in this match, but it is also one of the greatest examples of how to build towards a hot tag. And uh, Tenru and Hansen are fucking miracle workers because they are working with Giant Papa in 1989 and Rush Kimura, who's never been a great wrestler in 1989 as well. Both both men way faster primes, but somehow Tenru and Hansen they are. This is a testament to how great these two men are and what a great tag team they were in this, in this particular tag league. But I'm, I'm very excited. I watched the match. I did all my notes. Excited to talk to Daniel about it. Um, and we could talk a bit about like recent news for from his career. I think I'm going to ask a bit about like what, what's up with his career and stuff like that. But we're going to talk uh, like I'm supposed to do something with John Pollock, but we haven't scheduled anything. So who knows? Um, 
but you know, next week's a big week. I'm going on my road trip to Chicago. I, I'm probably going to meet up with Steph. So yeah, yeah, if you're listening, there. Steph, see you, see you next week. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to that. Uh, get some coffee, maybe some lunch or something like that. Maybe, maybe I'm also meeting up with uh, one of your favorite wrestlers, Benno. It's 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 tentative. I've reached out to this particular person, and he said we can chill or get some food. So we'll see what his schedule is like. You can probably guess what I'm talking about, but uh, yeah, you and Nick Gage together again, finally. Uh, no, Nick Gage. <laughs> Nick Gage would make me pay for the food, all of it, right? Like that's what oh, I yeah. think. Oh, Anyways, but that but beyond that, uh, yeah, I, I'm recording. A review show for the for the first episode of House of the Dragon with Karen Peterson. That's going to be up on her, I think, her Twitch or her YouTube. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, sh- I'm sure you will find out. I'm sure you guys will retweet it. Um, and then, yeah, MCU later with Rich Fan from the Torch. He's filling in for Wave while he's on fraternity leave. Uh, and uh, we're we're going to cover uh, episode two of She Hulk. I think you're on the week after, right, JP? I you're am. Be, you're yeah. on the week that I'm in Chicago, so I won't be talking with you yeah. about that. But uh, JP will be on. MC later in a couple of weeks. Um, and then I guess sometime later in September, the return of hello there. Cause Andor yeah. will be on uh, Disney plus by that time. We shall be, which I like the trailer for that. We were speaking about oh, like great, um, yeah. going back for that. So I'm lo- really looking forward. Uh, I, I am probably going to go see. So they're, re- they're going to re-release rogue one in IMAX in select theaters, including in Toronto. Ooh. I am definitely going to try to, to see that. That's so underrated rogue one. I don't know if you have you seen Rogue One, Benno? No, not my area. <laughs> not your thing. It, it's genuine, like it's one of these. And Gareth Edwards is a filmmaker as well, not the famous Welsh scrum half. Nineteen seventies. <laughs> that's a weird reference that I don't think anyone will be getting. But yeah, that's it for me. Like I, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I hope probably should have a lot of pictures from Chicago. Maybe some some Chicago mm. hot dogs, some deep dish pizzas, maybe or or you know pies i think of them as pies i've been to chicago before they're they're more like pies than they are pizza but they're they're really delicious generally but yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to like uh you know coming on here again and sometime in the future uh you know maybe maybe with maddie edwards so i can yes. tell about so i can yeah. talk about roman reigns with them <laughs> we'll figure out a total five to one we can do uh, that'll be fun uh, but yeah speaking uh, of which speaking of which yeah obviously a uh, plug side for us uh, over on the Patreon uh, as well as the extended edition it was a busy week last week you know we had uh, a weekend show on a Wednesday uh, during a preview of, the, of Dynamite and the week coming up just because of the uh, WWE Financials news gave us a reason to do an additional show last week then we had the break if you want more on NXT UK get my mind, Will, Jamesy uh, Gareth and Andy Ogden's immediate and I mean immediate response um, to the, uh, the NXT UK stuff and if that's not enough, yeah, we also recorded our uh, our latest five to one with Matty, where we looked at the oh. uh, top five celebrities in uh, in wrestling history, and I don't think there was a stone left unturned, really. Uh, you know, from Chuck Norris to to Tyson to Rodman to, to the famous ones to Arquette, uh, some uh, little known WrestleMania uh, ones over the Pat Bomber Roach, mate. <laughs> we covered it all as well. Quickly, WH best uh, celebrity in wrestling history. Have you got one? Would you, would you be best one? celebrity in wrestling history. Oh God, I mean. Has to be something WWF, WWE, um, like in ter- like just what I think was the most effective. Hmm. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow. That comes up. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know why I keep thinking about this, but William Shatner appearing on Raw. Oh, we didn't do Shatner. We missed that. Oh, we didn't do Shatner at all. Um, Schwarzenegger making complete ass of Triple H oh, that one yeah. time. Did Chucky that Matty there. brought that one up? Of course not. Of course not. You know what I would love to do with Matty as a top, like a a, a a five, you know, five thing is uh, worst WWF gimmicks from like from like two thousand to like 1984 from so from like the from first wrestlemania to like up to 2000 i wouldn't cover it up to now like i just you have to cut it off somewhere but i would i would love to do top worst games i you know gobbledygooker is up there for me like that's what i'm talking about Shit like really that. came like, to mind yeah uh maybe aldo montoya but maybe he he would think he would think that's a proper good gimmick wh <laughs> and i'd be like yeah we can talk about it you know the mask is a, is a real killer for me for for poor aldo montoya what was there. a portuguese man of war i think it's a, a fucking know. ship it's like yeah i think a man of war is a ship from like you know sail ship you know say the you know when when you know you know when england actually had a really powerful navy you know yeah so I was uh, it was my uh, my nephew's uh, birthday. He was one, same birthday as you, JP, and Garrett's son. He's all shared. The yeah, day. and Matthew, one of our patients, and Andrew Thompson, and Andrew Thompson. What a day! Wow, like, what, what a day. fucking day! But my, ne- but my nephew's one, and he's half Portuguese. And we were sat there with his family on Friday, and I was thinking, do I bring up Aldo Monte? No, they won't know who that is. I won't mention it. I don't think he's. Mate, you're better off bringing up Wolves, <laughs> Portuguese players in the Premier League. <laughs> like, that had been a way to go. That's a good, yeah, there you go. That'll be the other uh, conversation starting. Bring up Neto. Is he is he good value? Uh, I don't know. Well, if you want to and know just, about that... i say the phrase IWC in Portuguese. Back what, what a great segue. Also, on Thursdays, free on the Twitch, so not on the Patreon, but uh, twitch.tv slash grapplefbl. You can get our fancy football lots over there as well. Mm-hmm. Next year. I'm, I'm going to be on this next year. You yeah, be the Matthew next year. He's the guinea I'm, pig. I'm the I'm fucking Rando bot. I'm gonna be well, just picking names. <laughs> Who's this? This guy sounds interesting. And then build my team. Then maybe no no trades, nothing. Mm. And then I'm gonna win the whole fucking thing. All right, uh, you're in, mate. I'm getting relegated from that draft league. The form I'm on, I am fucked. <laughs> I can't see any way out of this. Well, to hear more on that, we'll be on on, uh, on Thursday um, with uh, another mix of uh, our uh, Grapple FPL uh, correspondence. But yeah, other than that, is that it, JP? Anything else to say? No, that's it. No, that's it. All I've got to say is uh, Valette. No, I'm going to save that for that one. Isn't it? But yeah, no, that, that's it. Um, bye. See you next NXT's, NXT UK is dead. <laughs> They're never really alive. Uh, Better not be alive. Fuck that thing. Good eyes out. Saxon Huxley, there he goes. Rohan Raja, no one knows. Nina Samuels cancelled show. Amal's gone to France. Mark Andrews is flying low. Flash Morgan, he had to go. Neither on the Cardiff show. Scalar is a knob. We all love you, Sizem. Cause you wrote a letter to Brit Rest Twitter. We all love you, Sizem. They should have read your thread. Now our brand is dead. Ashton Smith said lower league. Shah Samuels has kids to feed. Grab well, he's got dodgy knees. Danny Luna's gone. Boring primate to the zoo. Eddie Dennis back to school. Trent Severn, he looks a fool because it's not the way. We all love you, Sizem. Cause you wrote a letter to Brit Rest Twitter. We all love you, Sizem. They should have read your thread. Now our brand is dead. 
Kenny Williams caught rock man. T Bones is back in the van. Unlucky kid, it's to your man. Millie, she's all right. Zaya Brooks had lost the fight. Jack Stars back at looking lights. Dave Masterfeed bombed out. Jordan is to run. We all love you, Sizem. Cause he wrote a letter to Britpa's Twitter. We all love you, Sizem. Cause NXT is gone and Brit rest goes on and on and on and on. We all love you, Sizem. Cause you wrote a letter to Brit rest Twitter. We all love you, Sizem. They should have read your thread, now a brand is dead.